Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a Star Wars Legion podcast, bringing you the latest news, general perspective, and competitive discussion. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Mike and David and Zach. Are you guys excited for Darth Maul? No. If by excited for Darth Maul, I'm ready to get force choked off the table, yeah, let's do it. It's going to be a great time. Uh, I love no losing comment. my 28-point heavies. No comment. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, all right. There's, th- there's two sides of the coin, right? Um, Darth Maul is like one of the most iconic things to hit Star Wars in the longest time and is arguably the best thing in a phantom menace i mean a phantom menace has grown better for me over time it's like a fine wine i think it's actually aged better than the other uh prequels um but that's because attack of the clones is terrible that's besides the point yo you Um, shut your mouth attack of the clones (laughs) has some great scenes in it i listen i think the see i think the prequels are fun because of the Clone Wars cartoon. I think the, pre- the prequels have gotten so much better because of the cartoon fluffing them up. The, the cartoon makes the series slightly better. Although it, really it also kind of makes you be like, why couldn't they have just done this? Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, I'm a firm believer actually that that television shows do a better job than movies because they have 30 to 60 minutes a week to build a story rather than cram sure. it all in two hours. Yeah. Um, like for instance, speaking of Darth Maul, and no spoilers here, but the four episode arc at the end of season seven of Clone Wars awesome. actually might be one of the best things you can watch in Star Wars. Um, and it is like it ends up and it ends up being like a four, you know, four part movie, like a, like a two hour, four part movie. Right. That's split up in 30 minutes. But the way the story is told over the 30 minutes makes a better cohesive story than Attack of the Clones. Stop it. I, I'm sorry. Nobody can criticize a prequel movie ever again after Rise of Skywalker. It's uh, not a thing people are allowed to do anymore. It's just like, you want to see a crappy movie? We, the, this is so disjointed in plot. and like, Can't they just all be bad? No, they can't be. <laughs> so the second side of the coin, rather than getting everybody riled up about the movies, is... If you if you play droids or had the intentions of playing droids at some point, you must be really excited because Darth Maul looks really good. Now, as someone that does not play droids and has zero intentions of playing droids, I want to flip the table already because he's just going to choke me. He's going to infiltrate on me. He's going to double move, but also charge me because he's got a third attack. I mean, we'll get into the this, this stuff later on. I mean, if you haven't seen the card, I'm probably talking gibberish to you. But Maul looks really good. So um, that's scary for me. Well, the plan is to break it down this episode, right? That is the plan. We will yes. do that in the in the bulk of this episode. I also wrote a rather lengthy article on Mr. Mall on our website, thefifthtrooper.com. So you can check that out. You can also check out Zach's article on Force Barrier, which posted Monday. This will be yesterday when this comes out. So uh, check those out. But yeah, let's hit some let's hit some housekeeping real quick. Housekeeping. All right, Mike. I understand we got some more GW stuff up on the site. Yeah, so um, clearly this is not a GW podcast, but um, right. we do have some sweet 
GW pre-orders up on the site that you can check out if you are into that sort of thing. We have the new uh, Space Wolves Codex along with the Space Wolves releases and the Death Watch Codex along with the Death Watch releases um, that came out this week. So if you are looking to get those pre-releases, they're on our site. Uh, check them out. Um We've also got pre-orders up for all the mats and stuff. If you are looking to, uh, if you missed out on the first run of, you know, like a Nebu mat or what, a, or uh, sorry, a green grass mat, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, uh, anything like that. So we've got all that up there. And um, if you missed kind of our housekeeping segment in the last couple of weeks, we've got contrast paints and um, some 40k starters. Uh, as well as like Age of Sigmar and stuff if people are interested. Um, anything that's GW that uh, people are interested in that we don't have on our site presently, um, we can also back order it. It'll take like an extra week, but we can still get it for you. It's not a big deal. Um, so uh, yeah, just kind of expanding the store. And if you're interested in any of those pre-orders or anything like that, um, you know, look us up. Just going to drop the URL for those that are unfamiliar, the fifthtrooper.com slash shop is what you're looking for. You betcha. And there's a specific um, section on there. Uh, like if you go to click on the shop menu icon, um, there's actually a category for GW pre-orders that will cycle each week. Um, if you're looking for new stuff specifically, it will be in that store category to, so it's easy to find. And we also have paints and stuff, right? We do. We don't have okay. all of the paints presently. Um, you have to, you have to order them in bunches of six. Like you can't just order like one or two pots of a certain color. You have to order like six at a time. So we bought um, the majority of the contrast range, um, and we're kind of expanding slowly. Um, you know, you'll you'll see. Um, paints probably added to the store as people request them, or as we kind of buy into the new parts of the range um null, null oil is my request yeah it's on the list yeah. it's on the list you know, you know when lockdown first happened um there were stories of stores just completely being out of null oil and agrax earthshade because there was like a run because everybody's like oh man i gotta get this stuff before i get locked down but uh yeah i mean it's null oil one of those most requested paints and i was, I was gonna also say that all this contrast stuff that we're that we're uh, offering now at the shop um it's really good for every i would recommend it for every like humanoid model for legion especially ones that have a lot of folds in the fabric or maybe textured skin or fur or scales uh, bosk is like the seminal example of a model that really takes to contrast yellows for un and contrast greens um i painted my k2 with contrast paint i used uh what's called black templar i used it over the a silver um, undercoat to make give it kind of that metal that sort of look of painted metal and I'll, I'll come back at it with some chipping hopefully it'll look it'll look real nice but yeah the contrast works really well with just about every humanoid legion figure you want to avoid flat areas with it um and so i definitely recommend that, that everybody check that out and, and uh, see see what you can uh see what you can get done with it you can make some really cool things with it Yeah, I paint mostly with Citadel stuff, so I'm pretty excited that that's at least to some degree on our site now. All right, we have some actual Legion news. Not that, I mean, we had a ton last week, but we have some Legion 
tournament news. So let's hit that real quick. Welcome to In The News. Yeah, so it's come to my attention that there are primes in Australia this upcoming week. Um, I don't know how official this is. Uh, it's possible that they're just like um, redoing uh primes that got canceled from like early covid season um but my understanding is that there are actually prime championships that are handing out world's invites in australia so if i guess you don't have covid and can buy a plane ticket uh <laughs> uh maybe maybe that's a trip people are willing to make but please don't um i uh yeah so that's a thing which i think is kind of uh interesting and awesome for the places in the world that can start playing real legion again right um clearly the whole world is not in that place but it sounds like australia maybe um so um light at the end of the tunnel maybe i don't know um uh, i thought it was cool figure we could talk about it a little bit um yeah that's exciting if so it's it's this is sort of word of mouth. If, if you are yourself an Australian and you know more about this than we do, please let us know. Yeah, so. I, I, I've talked to one guy about it. He said he was kind of getting prepped for it and stuff. Um, and, you know, it, it's possible the information is wrong, but it felt like a pretty credible source. He was talking very intelligently about it. So I feel pretty confident in the information I was given. Um so we'll we'll see you know i'd be interested to see what the list looked like because i feel like they might not have had a surplus of units over there like i don't know what their phase two situation arc situation uh aat situation um man i, I think they got mandos in inferno i remember a post getting posted where they had a bunch at least in one store i mean australia is a big place so who knows if it's in that area um but I'd be interested to see their list. I have a feeling that you're not going to see lists that are fully loaded in what we would consider, you know, highly meta, I guess, because of physical components that we're not used to using because we're using them on TTS, um, which I think is going to be interesting to see. Like if tournaments were happening now where we are, um, Mike, you have what, two phase twos, right? Yes. However, this is also maybe a little bit of Legion news that we didn't schedule talking about. It is my understanding that people are starting to find Phase 2s restocked in stores. Oh, okay. Um, hmm. So I, I've i heard some you know, rumblings about stores getting restocks. Um, sure. I'm not sure if Huzzah has specifically, but people are saying that they're starting to get restocks in, which is also... Uh, lighted a different end of a different tunnel. Um, right. Yeah, so. yeah. Because, because no, but totally. Let, let's let's say you went to a tournament tomorrow, Mike, and you only had two phase twos. And you have two arcs, I think, if, you're not, if I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to remember what you have in your own inventory, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I've got two arcs and two phase twos. The nice thing about the two arc box set is you can make three strikes out of it if you really need to. Right, but you would not be able to run the list that you were running in Yavin Base because you only have two arcs. I mean, two phase twos, I mean. I'm just putting yes, in perspective that, is, that, that, is, that, that this could be yes. this could be a thing at this Australian Prime where people would actually want to be running more Phase Twos or Arcs or an AAT or B Twos, whatever you might be running that you might not not actually have because the physical product is not in your hand at this moment. 
um, not to like show, shed like a bad light on it. I'm just saying it might be, in, it's going to be interesting to see these lists potentially. Yeah. Like see how they do it in the real world. Cause a lot of this stuff, you know, is it's all theoretical, right? Like it's all online and we don't have any offline, you know, there's just been nothing happening. Right. So we have no ability to know whether they're as good as they seem to be. Yeah. I, I do think that, um, a lot of times when we talk about like when a unit or a list is good, we tend to talk about it, at least on the cast in a perspective. And somebody brought this up to me the other day and I was like, I didn't think about it this way. Um, like whether a list is good in a <laughs> large scale tournament format, like invader or Gen Con or LVO, like where you have to go undefeated for eight rounds. It's like super different. If you've got to go three and O to prime, as far as, like what you can bring and still win with, right? Like you can bring a little bit of jank to to a three round tournament and go three and zero. And and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, um, but like a lot of times when we're talking about lists and like what is at the top and and what is good. And for instance, the list I'm running in Yavin, it's basically just Arcstar, right? Um, like Arcstar is a list that we would expect to be able to compete over a 10 round tournament and go 10 and 0, right? Like we wouldn't expect an inferior version of that list to be able to do the same thing just because that's a lot of games, right? Um and so I think when we're talking about the primes, we can kind of be like, "Oh, you're short of phase 2." Like somebody can slot like a phase 1 in there with a captain or or whatever and kind of get away with it. Um Yeah, and skew lists Sorry, go ahead, David. No, please. I was going to say it's fundamentally the same list, but I think you yeah. have something more salient to say. Yeah, I was just going to say skew, skew lists tend to be a little bit more successful in those short tournament formats just because, you know, by definition, a skew list has hard counters out there. Now, those may not, you know, like they may be great against three out of four lists, and that fourth list is kind of a hard counter to your list. And in an RPQ where you only have to play three or four rounds, maybe that doesn't matter. But you know, if you've got to go eight or nine or 10 or 11 rounds without running into one of those lists, you're essentially, it's essentially like pulling a slot machine. Right. So yeah, generally like we are certainly in our, in our competitive analysis, we are certainly biased towards those, those long form, you know, eight plus round tournaments, but that definitely doesn't mean you can't be successful with something else uh, in that tournament or even definitely in a, in a shorter one. I mean, I think it always comes down like a prime, unless you're traveling to a prime. If, let's say it's a local prime, I think it also kind of revolt like it kind of resolves around like um, knowing what the terrain is going to be. Like if you play at that store, you know what the terrain has. You kind of have an idea whether a vehicle might actually be able to maneuver around your terrain. Um, whereas an AAT and a saber tank and an ATST if you're playing those right now on t- tabletop simulator, you know what maps those will be fine on and what maps they won't be on when you're going to a tournament. If you don't know the terrain, let's say you go to LVO and you bring, and this is just all theorizing around what we're saying. Right. And, and, it, and it circles back to Mike's point of, we focus on like eight games rather than three. If you don't know that terrain, maybe a saber tank might not work at a tournament where you don't know where the terrain is. Well, let's say you're going to this Australian prime and you know what the terrain looks like, and maybe you're expecting some open boards right? You bring a saber tank, whereas you would have brought like Arcstar to like, to like LVO, we'll say, right? Because LVO is more flexible 
I'm sorry, I should say Arcstar is like more flexible towards LVO to go eight and oh and work on any kind of table. Whereas a Sabre tank where you know the terrain is going to be open, right? And you know your like player base is not going to bring like a lot of impact or not even so, right? But I'm just saying, you know that that Sabre tank has a chance because you're working with a known quantity as opposed, as opposed to an unknown to kind of solidify what Mike was getting at kind of. Yep, that's a good point. And if you're going to an RPQ, especially at a store you're not familiar with, if it's local enough to you that it's still drivable, it, it's not a bad idea to go to like a game night or two in advance just to see what their terrain looks like. Because terrain is one of those things that, especially on the local level, can vary extremely wildly. And it's also extremely important for how the game functions. So, Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> particularly like I mean, terrain matters for every faction, but, like, clearly it matters more for, like, rebels than it does for other factions. I mean, it's just a thing, right? Like, if you've got white saves, uh, terrain happens to matter a lot more because you, you can't fall back on your saves, right? On an open board, you know, clones can fall back on their saves. Stormtroopers can fall back on their saves. Um, you know, droids can somewhat to some degree because they just have so many wounds you have to chew through it's 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 a little iffy um but it like it works well against low firepower lists as opposed that are more like spikes that have like one or two units in them that do the real damage like if if you're a droid list that goes up against like a rebel dlt list or something like you're in a real good spot if you're on an open board because like Oh, they chipped you with a DLT. They got a droid. Woo! You know, like no big deal. Um, but you know, I, I think it also depends. Like, you probably don't have to scout as much if you're just playing a clone gun line, right? Like, you're like, okay, I can pretty much bring this anywhere, whatever, right? Uh, if you're bringing Pathfinders, you might want to scout a lot. Um, <laughs> I, I think mostly so hard not to bite this bait, Mike. Oh my god. Come on, me come so on. hard right now no stop <laughs> it's stop it <laughs> it's I, I think i think the the biggest reason you'd want to specifically scout terrain is if you plan on bringing an aat or saber yeah for sure or an occupier yeah. or There's, land speeder oh wait yeah. no one's gonna bring those <laughs> anything with a huge base right yeah like yeah you know you want to make yeah. sure you're gonna have enough space to move around i mean i'd argue jedi too I mean, Jedi. Jedi would I mean, be number two on that list, probably. Yeah, yeah because, sure. or I mean, any Force user, I guess, really, like, like, um, if you do, if you go to a store and you and you don't see any like good line of sight blocking terrain, like it doesn't matter what your Force user can do, they're gonna have a hard day. Um, I mean, I think we're at the point where most stores that are playing Legion have line of sight blockers. Like, it's not. I don't think it's Nova. 2018 or whatever it was that everyone complains about every year it seems like um <laughs> but um like i think you'll be fine most for the most part but it's a jedi could struggle or you force users could struggle on a on a board for sure yep yeah i'd say number one heavies number two force users basically are the most terrain dependent lists number three rebel white saves yeah can i balance an airspeeder on top of this Oh, if only that were actually a question. <laughs> All right. How oh, about we miss, move on? I miss the good old days that yeah. never happened. Oh, one, one thing, one thing. And, and 
let's not go down the rabbit hole. But if we do confirm that this is happening, we should also inquire and find out how they're handling silhouettes. Oh, yes. That would be a very good question. Um, I'm very interested well, in that. I mean, <clears throat> just to be clear, they should be printing them out from that sweet organized play document we've got that is super stellar and awesome. Now, <laughs> what's even more complicated is that if we find out that it was a delayed by a COVID event, Silhouettes technically would not have been around at that point. So it's just, it's, I just, either way, I, I just want to be, I'm curious about how this would work. The, the silhouette document, Kylie, make that face. I don't think that came out until after when Adepticon was. Yeah, but it's not like they're using the unit legality rules for Adepticon frozen. In time. No, I know, I know. I'm, I'm being, I'm being <laughs> Sorry, facetious. You can't use Cassian I'm, and Iden. You can't use I'm being, <laughs> that'd be funny. I'm being a little facetious more, more than anything. Um, but I'm, I'm being serious. I want to find out what they're doing about silhouettes in that situation. Yeah, if, if you participated in one of these tournaments and uh, you used silhouettes, well, one way or another, let us know how it went and what your store did. Well, I'm curious. We're curious. So let us know. Yeah, I would love to hear about it. Um, no pressure. You're the guinea pig. <laughs> yeah, no pressure, actually. Yeah. Isn't this the, would be like technically the first like OP event even remotely associated with silhouettes I'm because of like, the timing of this? I'm like 99% sure. Yeah, that I think so. me too. That if it's a sanctioned event in any capacity, it is the, it is the guinea pig. I mean, oh my goodness. Did, did we use silhouettes for Gen Con, technically? I don't yeah. remember. Uh, for well, Gen Con Online? Yeah. For online, yeah, because yeah, yeah, I think so. Automated. Yeah, but tabletop Clearly simulator. a little bit different. <laughs> we, we, we yeah. also, I mean, we also use them for Team League. We used them for Invader. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah I'm talking physical yeah, tournament. Yeah, yeah, because that's that's important. You know, I don't want to imply that online somehow doesn't matter or is less than than offline, but offline is where the game comes from. It's where the game uh, was designed to be done. You know, online is a proxy. Yeah, and I mean, and in more so, it's. It's the physical tool and the implementation of it that I'm I I want to know about. Right, it's way more different than, than mousing than this than just mousing, right? Yeah, you're actually like mechanically having to put things where in places, and you know use your I don't know what I don't know what the right term is for this your your ability to do like spatial reasoning I guess I don't know if that's what it's spatial called. awareness of what your yeah. silhouette would look like behind a piece of terrain that you're used to seeing on the internet rather than in real life. Right. I mean, I don't know if I would be like tabletop simulator. I've gotten down pat. I think I can understand it. Like my spatial awareness on tabletop simulator is probably fine with them right now on a real board. I probably wouldn't be as secure with it. Um, I would probably have to double check it a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, mean, you can always pre-measure, but yeah, of course that takes into your time, but yeah. yeah, Time isn't really, I just want to know how the store is handling it. Whoever's TOing it, how they handle it. And how the how the players feel about it. If we can get get that information, that'd be good. Yeah, it'd be nice to take the temperature. And just even like silhouettes aside, Aussies, um, good on you guys for getting to a spot where you can do tournaments and uh, let us know how it went. Yeah, like one way or another. Be, yeah, that, exactly. Mike, Golf thank clap. you. That should be Golf celebrated. Clap. Golf clap. Yeah. So um, kudos. Send yeah. us the tabletop to if you could too. That'd be yeah. Have have fun. Let us know how it went. Um, We'll live vicariously through you. <laughs> do they say do they say bravo in Australia? I don't know what I don't know what words they use. Cheers. 
I mean, that's British. No that's British. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe they can tell us that too. The only yeah. Australian things I know are dingoes and Vegemite. You know what? You don't know Good A? <laughs> right. I know right. VB. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> let's let's move on to our main topic. So Darth Maul is fully previewed. He will be out on November 20th with Anakin. Yes. I'd have to double check. I don't I know. Think it's, I think that 20th it's fri- sounds right. It's the Friday in that vicinity. The days all blend together. Yeah. Um, yeah, soon. Three weeks-ish. They will be out. But, of course, you can proxy them right now because they've been essentially fully previewed, both Anakin and Maul. So we're going to talk about Maul today. So I wrote an article on him, which you should check out on our site. And I'm going to open for the purposes of this conversation so I can look at the cards. <laughs> I already beat you to that. Much. Um, All right. Because I don't know them off the top of my head. Um, I, I want to hear. First, I want to hear your guys' opinion of him because obviously I already wrote like a four thousand word article on him. So I mean, first impression is that he is ninety eight percent more competitively viable than Anakin Skywalker. Um. He looks with a, with a troll take. <laughs> no, I don't, um, I don't think that's a troll take. To be clear, I, I mean I, maybe I know, maybe it's I meant know. to be, but but I don't think it's that far off. The mark. Okay, all right. Let's put it this way. Hold on. Before we go into this, right? And I'm and I'm not even trying to be salty. If I were given a chance, an opportunity to take Anakin Skywalker, and we'll get into the command card that gets this get, gets you to this point and how and what I mean by this, and I was to instead of have a flaw card have a card that has me give a wound and just take that wound and go to five wounds. I'd rather do that, which is essentially what Maul does without a drawback. Right. Um, on top of other things. I mean, but, the drawback is that he we, lost a wound. Yeah. We, we yeah. can get into that. There's definitely a drawback there. Like, there is a drawback yeah. to the wound. Again, going from six to five is no joke. Cause as we've seen with Luke Skywalker, going from Operative Luke with seven wounds to Commander Luke with six wounds, it doesn't feel good. I understand that. But it's the toolkit that Maul comes with that makes it okay, right? Like, which we can get into in the cast, and we'll discuss it. But given the – all right, hold on, Mike. Given the choice, would you rather take a wound and not have that flaw card anywhere, or would you rather have the flaw card? I mean, that's that's sort of an unfair painting me into a box – well, I'm not of, trying to paint you into the that's, box. That's, that's, a, that's a trap my, question. It is a trap question. All right, you, you got I got Aramo Akbar uh, you, okay? But I'm just saying, like, the flaw card is a, a big reason that Anakin that is Anakin has struggles competitively, at least on paper. I mean, right? I I think the the comparison of Maul to Anakin is an easy one to make because they're yeah. coming out at the same time, but I yeah. don't think it's the right comparison to be making. That's fair. I, th- I mean, I think, it, it, I think it, we should be comparing Maul to a good unit as opposed to one that's <laughs> probably not as good. <laughs> Holy oh boy. Uh, okay. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to be, Try to be honest here. You, you need one of those like sitcom tracks where the audience goes like, "Ooh, <laughs> yeah." yeah. I think I like, did that for them. I if, mean, honestly, if, if if we want to compare Maul to Kenobi, or we want to compare Maul to Luke, you know, um, I mean, I think that that's fair, and I think that that's fine. I think that's much more of a conversation than, at least competitively speaking, than comparing like Anakin's flaw card, like like. They're coming out together. It like, is what I'm gonna do. I, I understand. <laughs> I just like there's like there's not much, if anything, that's actively 
bad in the game or or worse in the game than Anakin's flaw card. Like that yeah. like I would yeah. I don't know. I'm like with may, you. maybe maybe full scouts are are worse than Anakin's flaw flaw card. I, I don't know. <laughs> All right, like, this is not an Anakin episode. We already it's did not, that. It's not. No, it's <laughs> fine. I would just, anyways. Um, oh man, I don't can know I what the original it, question was. This can there just be like a segment where Mike so, just dumps on Anakin for like a solid five minutes? I would love that. It'd be it'd be very fun to witness, and I would actually listen to that afterwards again. Yeah, I don't like normally listen, listen. presents Anakin is horrible. I don't normally <laughs> listen back to the cast, but I would listen back on that one. Uh-huh. Um, I would argue that one of the best ass attributes of the mall release is the fact that he also comes with 35 point droids too. Um, let's start there. Um, if I read his, if I read his card, if you haven't seen his card, right, he's 160 point base. He's got two, four slots, two training slots, um, six wounds, uh, suppression threshold of three. So pretty much a normal force user for the most part. Uh, he comes with jump one, uh, deflect immune pierce, and Juyo Mastery, which is arguably my favorite mastery I think I've seen yet. Um, while you are wounded, you can perform one additional attack, uh, action, not attack, one additional action during your activation limit to move act- actions. So, now keep in mind, you, can't att- you cannot attack twice with this card. Um, there's The only way you can attack twice in this game is if something states that you can take a second attack action, like a Son of Skywalker. Right. Um, so you cannot take two attacks just because he has a third action. Um, but it should not be understated that a third action is absolutely massive. He doesn't have relentless and he doesn't have charge, but that's okay because he has a third action. And I would argue that it's actually better than not having charge over relentless because you can move, move, force push a unit into you, and then you can swing at them as opposed to other force users who have charge of relentless. If they, if they move, move and force push you into melee, they are doing that to be defensive rather than take an attack. So his attack range, if I'm not mistaken, is around uh, 15.7 inches or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's almost range three and yeah. And so I agree with you. Uh, Juyo is, is the defining thing about Maul's kit for the most part. There's like a couple other things um, we can talk about, but um, how Juyo works and like what it allows you to do, um, like on this on its face, you look at Juyo and you're like, well, he doesn't have charge, he doesn't have master of the force, like, so what is what is this trying to do? Um, how is it? How is it actually going to like? make up for the lack of those abilities right um because kind of drawing into like comparisons we were making before like luke skywalker same points right um has charge right maul doesn't have charge he he clearly can have charge if he wants it with juyo um which is interesting it's also worth noting that juyo allows you to do some like really weird stuff like move pick up a box and move again or like move Tav Vap and move again, so you can like. It, it's interesting because Kyle, I think, uh, you know, when when we've talked, and I imagine you wrote this in your article. I haven't actually read it yet. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah, uh, and um, but you talk a lot about like he's he's one of the best units for doing objectives in the game because of Julio, right? Like he just he can like sneak out there, do it, and come back. Like 
the whole like new ways he's kind of got like a pseudo new ways to motivate him going on every turn or like a um reptilian rampage where you can you can perform three actions you can jump out mess with an objective and jump back which is super interesting in and of itself due to how that works um you can use it like a master of the force too basically if you want it to but then you lose charge right or you lose that extra action if you use it like master of the force um so i i think there's a lot of trade-offs i do think that this is um you know when i when i think of this ability i think of it kind of like in in phantom menace since it's such a great movie zach i agree i never got to say that but i agree um <laughs> it's you know he's he's able to multitask and like switch up like what he's devoting his resources to like in the fight with obi-wan and qui-gon like he's constantly dodging jumping you know doing all this stuff and he's able to kind of like he's just a badass that is doing whatever he wants. And, and then, and Juyo to me is like, it's a recover. If you want to, it's a recover. If he needs it, it's charge. If you need it to be, it's, you know, it's an extra dodge token. If you need it to be, it's an extra aim token. If you need it to be, it's, it's whatever you need. Um, it's incredibly versatile, uh, which I think is awesome. And it's, it's like, it's one of, it's an ability in the game that like, unlike something like marksman, or precise or like even Seresu and stuff like the decision tree for Julio um, is really complicated sometimes in like what the right decision is. Yeah. It's interesting because Julio mastery is it's everything. And it's also really only one thing at a time, like you said. Right. And you have to kind of pick on a given turn what that one thing is going to be. So there are times when it's going to be, there are there are a lot of free action keywords in Legion, keywords that give you that let you do extra stuff are not new, right? You got charge, you got relentless, you got steady, you got agile, you got tactical, you got master of the force. There's a, there's a ton of keywords in Legion that essentially allow you to do free stuff, and GU is a keyword that allows you to do extra free stuff, but you know so there are times when you're going to be less action efficient than someone like. Jedi Luke or Obi-Wan who has both charge and master the force. But there are other times when you're going to be able to do something unique that neither Obi-Wan or Luke can do. You guys mentioned a couple of them already. There are two things that are, that are really unique about Julio. The first is the timing. There's actually three things. The first is the timing because, you know, all those other things like charge and relentless have to be done after a move action and after in Legion means immediately after. So in order to charge someone, you have to move, move, and then you have to immediately attack. But with Julio, there's no such order of operations. You can do it however you want. So one of the one of the sort of token Julio combos you, you mentioned already, which is double move, force push a unit leader into you, and then attack that squad after force pushing them into you, which is essentially just, you know, we talk about inches because that's you can measure in inches on TTS. But it's relevant on a real table too. So that's essentially like a 16 inch or just shy of a 16 inch charge range. And a range ruler is six inches. Range one is six inches. Range two is 12 inches. Range three is 18 inches. So it's essentially two thirds of the way between range two and range three. And if you look on your range rulers, they have those little, those little notches and stuff 
um, you'll find that they're at very helpful increments. So it should be pretty easy to, you know, please don't mark your range rulers, but it should be pretty easy to get like a good feel for how far that 16 inch distance is on your range rulers. Um, so that's one of them, right? Move, move, force, push, attack. He has the longest effective melee charge range of any force user. The other thing that makes it really interesting is, you know, for to trigger charge or relentless, you need to actually perform a move action, right? So it's not really, I mean, it's free if you've done a move, but if you're not moving, it's not free. Like how many times have you just been already in melee with the thing, <clears throat> excuse me, that you want to be with Luke and you have to just take a good old fashioned attack action and swing your lightsaber and you're like, man, that felt really bad to have to use an action to attack. <laughs> It's right. the Tauntaun problem. Tauntauns would right. rather move than anything else because they get two free things every time they move. Yep, they get to attack and they get a dodge. They also get, actually, sorry, three because they get repo, reposition. <laughs> right. So yeah. it's actually three free <laughs> things. But but yeah, it's like, wow, I could have done anything but this and, and done better economically, right? Yep. So Maul is more efficient in those situations where he's like already stuck in. He's already where he needs to be. And then he can just attack, dodge, aim, attack, dodge, recover, whatever. Another force user is not going to be able to do that. Yep. He can also do things out of order, right? He can attack and then double move. Or he can, uh, you know, the other thing is since it's super flexible, there's there's a couple, there's a couple actions for which there is no free action keyword in Legion. One of those things is the standby action, right? There's no move standby for free keyword. But Maul can do that. He can double move and then take a standby action, which he can then use later in the turn to attack the target he's with. Um, and then you guys already mentioned it. The biggest thing, I think, is the objective card action, which there is no other free keyword equivalent for. The only other way to like double move and do an objective would be, I think, with the new ways to motivate them or Reptilian Rampage. Yeah, I think, the... I think that's it, just about. Yeah. I mean, like you can sort of... Like, in one pip. You can like build build it with Leia's two pip if you like are in the right spot and you can like use the speed one to like base an objective and then but it's not not exactly the same. And it's it's super timing gated, right? Because you have to like do it in the command phase and then do activate the unit. Um But I don't think there's much that can they can do has an effect like that um within its own activation i think that's pretty much the list yeah i mean you have complete control of the order of operations in which you want to do it in whereas the other ones you do but you don't like you have to like pre-plan it out in so many different ways and you also have to take a wound to do it and i'm not saying that maul doesn't want to take a wound i mean to get juyo he's going to want to take that wound probably but um Oh yeah, he, I mean, he's going to have to give that third action. But I mean, it's just like the versatility of it is is I don't even think you could put it into words, really. Yeah, it's just like an infinite decision tree. Yeah, and and I know that you mentioned aim tokens. I mean, the one thing about that, Mike, is that if you take him with his droids and you use observation tokens, he doesn't even need to take the aim action, which kind of takes you know a line of thinking out of it, right? Before we before we move on to the droids, I want to mention one more like specific GU combo that's really good, and that's if you take him with force choke and force push, which personally I would do. 
You can also take saber throw. We'll get into that later. But you can basically double move. <laughs> that was my daughter, I think, um, knocking over our recycling. <laughs> so nice. Yeah, you can double move. Do the old force push a unit into you. If that unit has an objective token, you get to you get to place that token, right? When you do force push, you get to place the cohered minis. You get to place the token. So presumably, you would place it in base contact with. All right. So you you double move. You force push the unit leader that has an objective token into you. You you drop that objective token in base contact with Maul because when you force push a unit, you move the, both the objective token and the other minis in that unit where you want them. You choke the unit leader, and then you use Maul's third option to immediately grab the objective token that he just dropped because he's choked. So, and if it's a bomb, then you drop it <laughs> and then blow it up. Assuming there's nothing else nearby that can that can grab it. Look at how happy Zach is. I, I was going to say, if you're looking at me, you probably were just witnessing me look at the wall ahead while listening Kyle say all of that. And inside of my head, I am throwing up. Um, so <laughs> just that is the image that I have is just me standing at a table as someone does this to me and just throwing up everywhere. Yeah, because so it's disgusting. Visualizing yourself losing? That's <laughs> like terrible. Like what you just described is disgusting. Well, better better that you know about it now and not in the middle of a game, which right. is going to happen to people. Darth Maul is going to do that thing, and you're going to be like, I mean, especially on bombing run. Like, if that happens to you in bombing run, you just you just lose. Basically. You straight up lose. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. well, or if you, I mean, even on boxes too. Like, let's say you have like three box. Let's say you have three boxes secured, and you go after one of their boxes, and you do that. Like, like they're going to now have to focus to go get get the box that you just stole with Darth Maul. Now, now they're up. Now you're up four to one on boxes rather than three to two, and you know S has hit the fan. You know what I mean? Oh, just wait until they grab your hostage on turn one or turn two, rather, because they can't do it on turn one. But like, well, yeah, you know, Ugh. I mean, that's a thing that will it, happen. It's so. Oh, a you mean you mean pair him with Dooku, put on seize the initiative, uh, play a one pip, uh, and just do shenanigans. I mean, yeah. seize the, you don't even need seize the initiative. No. First of all. Oh yeah. Cause it's like, Detroit's. Yeah. What am I thinking? Right. Like it, it, because <laughs> for a variety of reasons, like you've got an, you're going to have an uplink somewhere in there and they can coordinate to malls special forces. Right. Yeah. So it's, yep. it's kind of, you don't want to give a comms relay to, then you can bounce it to mall. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll geez. get into that later. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a couple of caveats there. It works best against units that have activated already so that he's, you know, quote unquote safe in melee, because if you do that against the unit that hasn't activated, then they just withdraw and then the rest of the army shoots small and he dies with the objective token in the middle of your opponent's army. So it's not like, you know, what I just described to you is like the dream scenario, right? But it's not once people know that that's what can happen it's pretty rare for them to like end a unit's turn within with a unit with within 16 inches of mall that has an objective token especially like a core unit now there obviously there are some things that can't be choked right characters operatives and commanders which includes a promoted trooper unit if you use covert ops so keep that in mind you know if you're playing against mall you want, might want to make sure you're grabbing your 
bombs or your boxes with with commanders and operatives to include ones that you've promoted. Yeah, I mean that circles back to something that we mentioned a couple episodes ago, um, before Maul got revealed. But I mean, Maul being revealed really hurts Mandalorian stock. I was high on Mandalorian stock with Maul coming out. Like, like it hurts their stock because you don't want Tristan uh, being choked. Uh, it's not, it's not going to be a fun day. Um, like a speed two jumping unit with choke and has the ability to do wacky things like Maul changes a lot of the Legion landscape, I think paired with the droids. Um, Potentially. I mean, yeah. So we're we're used to most dark side force users. Actually, all dark side force users have mastered the force. So we're used to choke being like an energizer bunny thing, where you just where you just pick a model up every turn once that force user is in range. It's not quite the same, you know. Darth Maul plays more like Commander Luke, so it's it's kind of the difference between you know Jedi mind trick on Commander Luke versus Jedi mind trick on Jedi Luke, right? Like Commander Luke uses Jedi Mind Trick once, maybe twice in a game. Commander Luke uses it like five times. Right? It's not like Maul is going to be choking five times a game. Yeah, I mean, you're saying that like you don't like three isn't good enough, right? Like, I, I mean, no, I, don't I, get like, me wrong. Like, I like to be clear, like you don't need to use a five times. You can use it twice, and it is well above the rate you're paying for it. Right? I would also argue that you don't choke as often with the other dark side force users because they don't have the opportunity to infiltrate. I mean, well, I, I disagree there, so, with that. I force choke with Darth Vader like four or five times game a lot of the time. Yeah. It's notable yeah. you can do it twice on the implacable turn. Yeah. I mean, sure. But not a lot of people are playing Vader and Darkness Descends is completely different than Maul's two-pip infiltrate card. It is. So there, there's two things I want to hit there. The first is my point simply is it's not as if Dooku or Darth Vader appears in the middle of your army on turn two and starts choking dudes out. It's not quite the same thing. It's not quite the same, but it's not that far away. Well, yeah. How about about this? Why don't we read the two? Why don't we read the two pip and turn this into that discussion? Okay. Because we were talking about a precast. Yeah, let's let's do the command cards and then we'll circle back to the probes. It's a bit of an important discussion because of the timing and how the card is worded, right? Um, I'm trying to find it here. So it's the Phantom Menace. It's two pip, Maul and one trooper. Maul cannot attack enemy units beyond range two of Maul cannot attack him, right? So that is on the top of the card and then there's a line under, under that, which is common on all divulge cards. And then there's a divulge deploy unit step. Maul gains infiltrate. During the first round, Maul and friendly DRK-1 Sith probe droids cannot perform objective card actions. Discard this card after it is revealed. So the topic of discussion basically turns into this. Because of the discard this card is after it's revealed, you can divulge it, gain that in the deploy step, discard the card, and you can play another command card. And also notably on that card is you don't have to deploy last, right? That is probably the most notable thing on that card as opposed to Darkness Descends, which is how this kind of derived. You can pick and choose when you infiltrate Maul, if you want to infiltrate Maul. Maybe there's games you don't infiltrate Maul. We talked about that a little bit before they cast too. Like maybe there's games you don't want to infiltrate. I mean, that's certainly the case. Infiltrate 
as you learn to use infiltrate, especially with red dice units, probably more than white dice, is you can pick and choose your battles a lot in a sense of how you want, where you want to put them, right? But not having to go last means that you can put the speed two jumping unit near your opponent's deployment zone behind a line of sight blocker. Or and they might it. not have, or in it. I mean, hold on, let's not go crazy. Let's not go crazy. Um, but let's say there's like a building that is near your opponent's deployment zone. Let's say you're playing, all right, how about this scenario? You're playing hemmed in and they're blue, but you're red. And they deploy like one unit, not towards the middle, but like towards the corner. But And then you take ball and infiltrate is range three. You put them at range three of that unit or of another spot and hemmed in. They now, and he's behind a line of sight blocker, they now have to deploy based around where Maul is. And because it's hemmed in, they might not have a choice of putting a unit into his like death range, right? Because it's such a small area to deploy. Um, obviously, it's better to deploy him if you're blue behind a line of sight blocker because you can put him before anything else gets deployed. But the point being is the timing of it is so much better than what we're used to on a Sith Lord with Infiltrate. What do you mean? Potentially. Darkness descends, because that's the only card that does that, right? Um, yeah. So I I mostly agree. I think that this is just like... It allows you to threaten your opponent's safe stuff pretty much always. I mean, it depends on the terrain, but like, you know... Generally speaking, if, if there's like so your opponent is gonna want to put their objectives near line of sight blockers, generally. And this is actually kind of goes to maybe like a more meta way to deal with Maul, but um because objectives generally go by line of sight blockers, it makes Maul uniquely good at dealing and zoning people out of enemy objectives right people generally put their vaps behind a wall or they put their boxes someplace you can't see them or something like that and if you're blue player and you have maul you can put them anywhere you want at the start of the game and you already know where the objectives are at that point right um so you know your your opponent puts down two safe vaps you put maul like range one and a half away from one of them behind a wall where nothing can get to him uh it's kind of a game changer like what do you what do you do about that right uh there are clearly some things you can do but one of the things that you tactically can do from the get-go is you can put your objectives in the open (laughs) uh which is which is actually kind of a soft counter to what this card is doing to some extent right like if if you're able to position your army somewhere where maul has to cross you know 18 inches of open ground to get to you all of a sudden he becomes a lot worse um and the, and, and the infiltrate shenanigans gets a lot worse so i don't think this card is not like you can play around this card but you got to think like four or five steps ahead you, you you've got to be thinking about it like when you're in turn zero before Maul, before any unit is on the table, you've got you've got to be going through your head like they've got Maul, he's got infiltrate, he could go anywhere. I need to make sure that I position my stuff safely, regardless of where he is put, or so that I can punish my opponent if they get greedy, right? 
Yeah, and I mean, this is this is the the struggle, right? Um, CIS is going to be able to bid relatively hard, I'm pretty sure. And so they're going to be the ones who, you know, come to the table and be like, okay, well, if I know that I have the bid, you know, the, the first thing that you think of, right, is what are my deployments and, you know, what are my board edges that, that give me this, this like sort of uh, ideal piece of terrain for this mall infiltrate play that I, that I would like to do and that I can have in my kit. Um, you know, obviously the, the blue infiltrate has its downsides. A lot of that being that you are showing your opponent where mall is. And that's why you really have to be sure from the jump that I get it, that where you put mall down is safe. Right, you have to really analyze the angles of the angles of shooting, and try to like think it through. And like the burden is a little bit, the burden is is like somewhat equal. It's not like a gimme, right? It has to be thought through because when you infiltrate first, you're giving your opponent that information for all of their deployments after that. So your opponent will have not perfect information, but will have the crucial piece of information um, that they need to counter deploy you. Now, Kyle talks about in his article, and I think this is really important. Um, infiltrate is like, it, it's not, you don't have to like sort of show your hand right away, right? It's, it's quite literally the phantom menace in that it's an existential threat, right? So if you deploy first, you, you show your opponent where you are, but just the threat of putting this unit down somewhere is enough to cause your opponent to make, you know, things that could become errors later, right? It forces your opponent to try to account for all the possibilities and something is going to get through. And, and so it might even be stronger just to hold your infiltrate to like six or seven and not do it on one. Um, I think, you know, this is maybe something that I should do when I write my next article is I think, I think what folks are, gonna have to start thinking about in turn zero is, is now drop count, something that we haven't discussed a lot in Legion beyond just like, oh, I have more activations or less activations. Literally, we should discuss drop count and having like an actual order of drop count in our in our list these days. But that's kind of like a larger discussion. But but anyway, back to Maul. Um, Kyle, I just think it's really, it was really good of you to put in your article that, um, that you know you should just hold it all you could hold it over people and sometimes that's actually stronger than just putting him down right away in a safe spot um i'd like to counterpoint that i actually think that's real bad um as someone okay. who's who's played darkness descends many 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 times i would give anything to be closer than range like 2.5 to my opponent like if if i can like like even in a situation where you're not well hidden like if you can get a dodge joke like he's got a he's got a command card that gives him a dodge token right i don't know what it's called but like it's his his one pip yeah or one of his one pips like if you just drop him basically on top of their objectives and, and i'm not saying like do this in the open but like no. If 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 you can put them in a place where they can like they can like 
move and like maybe get like a heavy cover shot on you like that's totally cool um i think i think it's fine specifically if you play the card with the dodge token because if if your opponent is doing that then um you just respond by like chopping stuff up and basing that unit and now you're completely safe um it, not to not to mention that shot has a high probability of triggering Julio. Um, it, it, de- it depends on a lot of things, because because it's possible that you can get shot in that scenario, and that unit that just activated <clears throat> will not be close enough for Mal to engage, and then you just gave away free wounds. Like there's there's a couple of considerations there. I think I think Maul more so than other infiltrators, there are cases for him to be dropped early because primarily because he doesn't have a scout move so he gets dropped at range three full stop you know darkness descends has a scout move on it most infiltrators like Jin and pathfinders and Iden, you're taking with recon intel tarth maul just it's range three that's it that's where he ends so um you know he is a little bit more vulnerable to being hedged but it depends. It depends a lot on what units your opponent has. If they have other infiltrators, if they have stuff with scout moves, like if there's a super obvious spot to put Maul, and you can drop him there safely, by all means, drop him there. But just like with other infiltrators, the drop first thing can be a little bit of a trap. And you know, Maul is not Maul is not Vader in at least with respect to this discussion. One important respect in that he's fast. Like being range three away from something is not nearly as bad for Maul as it is for Darth Vader. That's true. I um I don't know. I, I just I I think that the conversation is very different when you literally can pick any place on the table with infiltrate as opposed to like thirty to forty percent of it. Which which is generally what like like a darkness descends is. And yeah. Um, I mean, both of them basically need two turns to close with their target most of the time. If, if you're infiltrating at range three and nobody steps any closer to you. Um, well, maybe it depends on what your target is, right? Like if your target is an enemy unit in their deployment zone, that's true. If your target is a box or a key position in the center of the table, you can be a lot closer to it and still drop last. Right. So I usually, I think of infiltrators and specifically Maul because he's a force user that infiltrates primarily as like an area control piece. And granted, like on evaporators, you know, the important areas to control might be right next to your opponent's deployment zone, but they're not always going to be. Often they're going to be somewhere near the center of the table. And I'm just as happy to wait to see what my opponent does and drop Maul somewhere near one of those areas than just try and go for some big splashy like turn to engage with mall yeah i i think that some of this is like down to play style i just i think mall can legitimately end a game on turn two like like, like he can if, if you're yeah. able to place him correctly and aggressively um and and clearly in a safe position like you can just end the game um and without without attacking with other units without you know um is that going to happen every time? Absolutely not. But I do think that there are situations that you can build on turn zero with Maul where 
you know, your opponent has to like deploy in the back of their deployment zone. Otherwise they're going to get butchered. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's clearly a little bit grayer than, than that, but, um, I don't yeah. Know. Well, it's not, it's not just about mall, right? It's about what insulates mall that can enable what you're describing, Mike. And what I mean by that is with droids and a lot of cheap activations, you can arguably get him to like 11 activations, probably like even with Dooku. Um, I'm just assuming off the top of my head that you could probably get yeah, to that. maybe like it's 10. Thin. It's really maybe, thin. Yeah. But let's say, let's say not with Dooku. And I'm sure he's very good with Dooku, but let's say in the near future, right. And like the generic droid comes out, we don't know what he does, but we know that he's going to be a lot cheaper than, and then Dooku and Grievous. And you get yourself in a situation where your droid list is now 11 or 12 activations because you have a generic, you know, droid commander. Dooku, is, I mean, I'm, Maul is going to have this position where he can infiltrate early. He can probably make sure that he has an order for the most part, or if you go, or if you're going to the bag, it's not that bad, right? If you if you time everything correctly with uplinks and how you coordinate, and you're going to be able to get yourself in a position where you can get in your opponent's face with no repercussion because you're going after everything that's activated in their list. Let's say if that's to, you know, move towards an objective, like you were saying, or move towards them as an army, obviously standby sharing, you know, changes that whole math. Right. Um, But even then there's so many different things you can do because the droids are able to, bolster him even more so than other armies can. Like the one thing I, I write about with Kenobi and about Luke, right, is that they effectively want an army behind them that can also guide them to where they need to be. So Maul can now get to where he wants to be with the infiltration. And he also has an army behind him with a lot of bodies and decently good firepower. Like B1s, yeah, B1s throw a lot of white dice, but like, B1s with an E5C, which you can probably get easily in a, in a mall list. Like, they're they're still good. Um, they are, but you also want them to be close enough to mall when he engages. Yeah, I I could see that being the issue. Like, you don't want him to be too far. You, you don't you don't want him to be too far from your main army, and you don't want to just like dive in there with just mall, and the rest yeah. of your army is like range four or five away from him. I mean, that's where the droids come in, though, right? Like. Well, I guess, I guess that's why I'm saying, like, just dropping him in the middle of your, you know, like, right next to your deployment's, de- opponent's deployment zone. It's it's not always going to be a good idea, even if that's right next to an objective, if he's completely unsupported where you're dropping right. him. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I do think it's a little bit more complicated than that. I, yeah. I, I do believe you can operate him independently like that. Y- you can. There are times when you're going to be able to do that. But I think it's also super easy to get like bloodlusty and do that more often than you than you can because if you mess that up, you can also lose the game on oh, the first turn. No doubt, absolutely. I, I just think I think that's an important distinction in his kit that like he has the ability to operate on his own super aggressively and actually be effective. We, yeah, like the, there is no other force user in the game that does that. Like hard stop. Like, certainly no, no, certainly no other infiltrator. I mean, I have to admit, this is probably the first divulge card that I think is like good. 
um, like on the face of it. Like, I'm not saying that Padme's divulge is not good. It gives her secret mission. I was about to say. Well, no, it gives her secret mission, but it's the issue that I have. The issue that I have with Padme's is that you don't discard it and play another card. Um, you can discard malls and then play a different card, like standing orders, which also gives all the droids orders. And if you do it correctly, also gives mall an order and you played standing orders. Yeah. I mean, it seems pretty good to be able to kind of infiltrate it for pips safely. Like that's with like perfect order control. Right. Seems really good. Well, you, you play you this know. and then play standing orders. Well, pseudo perfect. To, to be fair, a lot of infiltrate units can do that. That's kind true. of anyway. Uplink. <laughs> Right. Well, and like there are lots of units that infiltrate just printed on their card. You know, we kind of talked about this oh, yeah. with Anakin, but this is much more in the vein of Darkness Descends, where like you're playing a card to get a keyword that other units just have, right? And unlike, I mean, we, Vader's command hand aside, he has six cards, so you're you're basically going from six to five when you infiltrate. Maul is going from three to two, and his other two cards are both one pips. So there's he doesn't have the most flexible command hand. Let's put it that way. Like being able to infiltrate with a force user is amazing, but it's not without cost either. You know, it's costing you 33% of his command cards to do it. it. It's also worth noting that his other command cards are super good, but they're not, they don't do anything like obnoxiously crazy. Like the, the one where you can't spend tokens is really good. But it's not like Master of Evil or... It's or, very situational. Yeah, they're they're one pips. They're one pips with upside, basically. Yeah, you know? right. Um, and, and that's pretty much all they are. So you're not getting any, like, cra- this is his crazy effect card for the most part. Yep. Right. And actually, let's talk about those other two cards. So the first one, let's, let's save that last for a second because that's probably the most important important one of the two duel of the fates is the one that's basically your opponent cannot spend green tokens while they're in base to base with maul which is situationally very strong he also gets dodge and disengage which is in my opinion the much more reliable and consistent portion of this card and it's a one pip which is great yeah i mean disengage is super good keyword like it's luke's the only one that's got it right yep you know and, yeah. and it's fantastic it's like, it's on it's on trained in your jedi or it's also yeah, it's Luke's Luke's gets, has it. yeah. Yeah. also has a version of it but like yeah it's really good yeah now the, the token the no spending token thing is great against other jedi i would sort of caution against viewing this as like an auto win jedi matchup card because you know, it's it's super rare for one Jedi to one shot another Jedi outside the context of Son of Skywalker, and even then, it's pretty rare just because Pierce immunity really gives you a lot of resistance to lightsabers. What you don't just dunk Luke Skywalker with Makashi mastery? <laughs> I mean, even then, like Duke only has five dice. It's statistically impossible for him to kill any Force user. That's true. <laughs> with yeah. Pierce immune, that is true. I mean, and he he's except only got- for Maul. Because Maul might have five wounds. Except for Maul. Yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> um, which which is a, a whole other thing. Yeah. I guess technically he could do it to Palpatine too, but Palpatine would have to get really unlucky on his saves for that to happen. Definitely. But anyway, the point is, like, don't just play this and expect to win a Jedi duel because you're going to play it. You're going to take a swing at Obi-Wan or whoever. You know, they're not going to get to spend their dodge token, but they're still going to make 
probably two or three saves on your five or six hits and they're going to be half dead and then they're going to swing back at you you know do one to two wins to maul and then force push you into the open and the rest of their gun line is going to gun you down so right it's a like, finishing move right yeah it's a it's a finishing move for the force user duels are generally won by patience and more specifically by whichever force user ends up in the open after or, they've activated. You mean whichever force user doesn't end up. Sorry, <laughs> yes, right. They're usually they're usually lost by the force user that ends up in the open after they've activated, basically. Is the short version. It's 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 relatively rare for a saber user duel to come down to them like hacking each other apart. Outside of Dooku doing the last couple of wins to someone, which is a little bit more reliable and outside Son of Skywalker. Those are like the two instances. But Maul's not gonna do it. Probably. Well, I mean, I think it's also worth noting that if there was a force user that's going to one-shot another force user without any crazy effects, it's Maul, right? right like, he's got nine dice yeah. with, with tenacity. Yeah. Like, the, right, ceiling, right. the, ceiling's, the ceiling is there. The ceiling is there. Now half those dice are white dice without surge. No no doubt. I mean, if, if you... He does have outs to that, though, unlike some right. other Force users, right? Like, if you're in a duel with, like, Vader and Luke, and they're both at full health, and, like, Vader's like, I really got to kill Luke this turn, like, it's kind of unlikely if you can only roll six hits. But if you've got nine dice, like, you, there's an out there. Um, yeah. I mean, also, you say without Surge, but that's where Outlast comes in, right? I mean, yeah, not so, to, you know. Yeah, so he can get Jedi Hunter. Um, just to round out Duel of the Fates. This is, I kind of view this as like ambush with benefits. Basically, the dodge token is the primary benefit on this card. The disengage is the secondary one. The you can't spend tokens thing is situationally amazing, but oftentimes you're going to need to play this when you're in melee with like a core, core unit or something, and they're not going to have any tokens that you care about anyway. It's, so. it's really good against clones. It is. Just, just, kind of generically like uh they they always have tokens floating around yep. they're not going to be able to like like you you can't spend a standby it's a green token right yep. like that's one of the more common ways to deal with force users in melee is oh you jumped into melee with my arc troopers well i have a standby token eat 10 white dice fool right like with a uh, bunch of shared aims right which you also can't spend right exactly yeah. so um this shuts down a lot of that um which which i think is a good thing um yeah and it's it's worth noting there too because maul often essentially starts quote unquote starts on five wounds he's kind of uniquely vulnerable to being like punched to death by random dudes <laughs> um, yeah someone someone proxied maul the other day and they mentioned to me that it was killed by Leia punching Maul. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it, it happens. Five health is not a lot. And those red dice are really fickle. You know, you charge a unit of stormtroopers or something like that. Especially since he only has one card that gives him a dodge token. You, you got to be a little careful that they don't just like beat you down. <laughs> because that can definitely happen to Maul. Um, you have to be kind of careful about when and where you engage. And it's not just about avoiding ranged attacks. I mean, if they have like an actual dedicated melee unit, like Wookiees or IRG, you really don't want to have Maul <laughs> involved with them at all. Um, 
but yeah, be aware of those, be aware of those punchy units, including clones with share name tokens, which can hurt a lot, <laughs> especially arcs. Oh yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on Duel of the Fates other than that the art is amazing? You know my thoughts on this card, Kyle. Hello there. Well, hello there. Yeah, it's a, it's pretty much a direct counter. Well, if they're already in base to base with each other, it's a direct counter with hello there. If if they're not, then it's really not because Obi Wan just spends his standby before Maul actually physically bases him. But if he's, a, if he's at range one of Kenobi, it still is right. Yeah, right. Because he bases him, and then he yeah, right. But it's it's a little more situational than. I think your 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 uh, nightmare scenario there, Zach. Well, it's it's worth noting that I I don't think this is a dive card for the most part. Mm-hmm. This is this is something you're playing after you've dove and you're already in there, right? Yeah. Um. Just because of the effect, uh, I mean, most of the time. That's not to say you couldn't use it as a dive card. The dodge token is still pretty good, right? It, it is. But I'm always I'm always wary of diving with a one pip with a force user just because like once you've dived and murdered something you're vulnerable but to you me, have that the... extra third action to move away well yeah you can do a peekaboo <laughs> which is great you can, like dip in chop them apart and then run behind line of sight blocking terrain or something i don't know well yeah it's, you... it's also worth noting that you can like you can get in there force choke one heavy slaughter a second and then base a unit that's activated right and like effectively skewer two units that haven't gone and then safely tuck yourself like clearly that's going to depend on like what the board state looks like but yeah but like in if you're attacking like a balled up bunch of core like that's not that unreasonable um that's your ideal setup is is to end all of your turns once you're stuck in in base to base with an activated unit yeah i mean the, the more and more we discuss it the more and more I'm sitting here and thinking that Maul is going to be like a thing where you ask yourself, what is the right decision with his three actions? And I know we've discussed it like 10 times already, but the more and more we talk about it is that you're going to come to a crossroads roads where there might be like three right decisions and one just might be better. You just might not be able to tell at that moment. And, but a lot of the times you're going to be facing a situation where you have to like, you have to choose out of like a bunch of different options. And if it works out great. And if it doesn't, I mean, what are you going to do about it is the way I'm, the way I'm seeing it. Like the good thing is right. Is that he has those options. I mean, don't take it as a bad thing. What I'm saying, like, I think it's great that he has those options. It's just navigating it. It's going to be tough. I think. Looking forward to CIS players chewing up all my clock time with 12 activations and trying to figure out the best line for Maul. To, to <laughs> be fair, I, I don't think the line is that hard to find once you've played with him a few times. Like, the, the line that is right most of the time is the line where Maul doesn't take damage after you activate him 100% of the time, right? Yes. Like, like yes. Um, you know, th- they're... Jedi are somewhere somewhat like arc dodgers to some like to use an X-wing kind of metaphor, right? Like they just they do the shooting, but they really don't want to get shot at. Um, and I think Maul is kind of the the like pinnacle of that to some degree. Juyo makes him very flexible at not getting shot, 
um, because specifically if he's if he's got his force powers up, if he has force powers up and he has Julio active, um, and you like you don't need to recover to bring them back up, like you can do a lot of janky stuff and be able to like get in there, melee some stuff, and 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 ensure with a hundred percent certainty that you're going to be safe. I mean, I you know we talked about this a little before the cast. Um, if your opponent has Maul and you do not have a Force user, it is a super different game than if you had one. And and that is uh, true for every Force user, but I think it's a little bit more true here um, just because, you know, if you've got a Force user, you can always, you know, Kyle was saying, like, Force push him out of melee if he gets in there. Um, you can dive in super early with Maul if they don't have a force user and be completely safe. You, I mean, you could do it on the third activation of a turn and skewer two units, be safe. And they could, they could literally not be able to do another thing to, to maul the entire turn. Um, and, and that's not like an unreasonable situation to be in. I, I think it's genuinely possible that we're heading towards a force user, heavy meta strictly because you need to deal with, you need to have a way to deal with maul. Um, like if if you if you are going to be playing, I, I play against a lot of droids, right? In my in my meta, like my local meta is a lot of droids. They're going to be playing a lot of Maul. I mean, I play Obi Wan anyways, mind you, right? But let's say I wasn't playing Obi Wan and I was playing like a like a gunline list or something like that. I feel like I would have to shift um, personally. I mean, that's just how I feel. I mean, tables it's super table dependent, of course, but Maul joining the fray force barrier becoming a thing on you know defensive units like dooku and obi-wan like i just think that there's potential that we're going to see a lot more force uses than we're used to um especially like oh no i think it's a great thing i think it's awesome i mean again i only play obi-wan or luke primarily like that's what i want to play um so like i feel right at home but i do think it might be a bit of a shift um I mean, because one thing we haven't really pointed out is that if you are playing him with Dooku, right, and you put Dooku with Barrier, which I'm sure you like, Kyle, on Dooku, and let's say he's close to Maul, and Maul's about to take a, t- take a shot or something because he went and grabbed an objective and couldn't get behind a wall, well, guess what? Dooku's going to stop that from happening with Barrier. Um, or the, I mean, it's not, it's, again, they might not be close because of how the, the situation is, but you're going to have that option there, yeah. right? You know, you might have that option there, which is good to have. What about, uh, what about Supreme Commander? So you can guardian <laughs> Maul with, uh, uh, man, that just made me nauseous too. Yeah, I actually, I actually really like him with Grievous. Yeah. Maul Grievous. That's a combo. Cause, I was cause you about. can get to, you can get to 10 activations with beef left over basically yeah. unlike is, unlike in the dooku and Greer is Kaba. also a, a vertical professional right with scale can <laughs> yep <do a> vertical <laughs> professional is now, that what we're calling yeah, them now i don't know an extra climber <laughs> that's the list professional. no that is the, list. That's the most like thesaurus term for it he's that is the He's he's a parkour expert. Yes, exactly. Oh, there you parkour. go. Par- parkour, parkour expert. Parkour. <laughs> yeah. Now, here here's my question, right? So to go to kind of segue into at last, okay? Let's let's read the card. It's while building a command hand, treat this card as though it has three pips. Maul gains one aim token and Jedi Hunter. When he activates, he may suffer one wound. Here's the ultimate question: Do you play the two pip infiltrate and then play at last 
to get yourself to Juyo or is that a trap? Trap. Trap. Most of the time, it's a trap. It's not always a trap. Um, this is your dive card in yes. my mind. Well, I mean, most of the time, I think. So let's let's explain what you mean by dive. Sure. Do you, um, are you are you implying that you necessarily have to go first? No, absolutely not. Okay, I'm sorry because let I, me, I think that's me, a misconception. Let me let and, me clarify. When I say dive, and I say this a lot, so yeah. maybe this is a good time to explain what I mean is it is the turn. Like often, you know, even if you're going to do it as like the last activation of a turn, you know that your objective this turn is to put this force user into base to base with something, um, yep. and. And, and so when I say dive, I mean, th- th- this is this is the turn. This is our go-ahead turn. Your, your engagement turn. Right. You're throwing the Hail Mary. Yeah. You're, you know, um, whatever. And and so th- that's what this card says to me. This enables Maul to do the crazy stuff. And, and frankly, he doesn't generally need to do the crazy stuff until he gets into the thick of it. Um, so th- to me, this is a pre- preparatory card for that. Now, that's not to say that you couldn't, like, play it on turn two to grab a box or whatever. I think, I think that that's still reasonable, but I think if you're not doing objective shenanigans, you're probably not playing this, um, before you dive generally. Um, I also, I also think it's reasonable to trigger Juyo off just getting shot clearly a mm-hmm. little bit, a little bit less good, but you know, um, it also like gives Maul an extra hit point. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, my rule of thumb is basically like play it as soon as you need Juyo, as soon as you are one hundred percent sure that you need Juyo, and not earlier than that. Yeah, I mean, it's the thing is, if he's not engaged and he's not in, interacting with objectives, the fact that Juyo doesn't give you three move actions, like, like what, what's like you can move, move, dodge, I guess, but like that's not that interesting, yeah. right? Like, um. So I think most of the time before you need Juyo, you're just move moving anyways. And and if you're finishing your turn somewhere you need a dodge token, you did it wrong. Um and you know. And then maybe you'll still get shot anyway and they'll trigger Juyo for you. <laughs> right, right, you know like uh, that's the thing. So um yeah. Are the stance cards any good? Cuz you have that extra Juyo or is it just a trap? Potentially. I think um, offensive push is probably more reliable. Yeah. Yeah. But so in my opinion well let's let's table upgrades. Let's let's round up yeah, let's, let's round up yeah. the the command card discussion real real quick yeah, and then yeah, we'll yeah. go to upgrades. Um Yeah, I mean at last is it's funny that it counts as a three pip because I, like I feel like I want it to be a three pip. Because the Look, this, this I know is, that this, this is like aggressive Mike. Like, yeah, like I know we have different play styles. Here. I'm like, yeah, a third one pip and one of them can be cunning. Sign me up. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know. I, I get that it's great for like constant up tempo potentially, but it's also very common and usually wise. You know, we talk about a lot about last first, right? But go like on, on your turn where you're actually engaging with Maul or any other force user you want to be going at the tail end of a turn. And then the next turn, you want to go first, generally. Now, it's not always the case because sometimes, you know, if, after you've engaged, you want to see what your opponent's going to do. Assuming you're in a melee with a unit, you're relatively safe until that unit 
does something like withdrawal. So last last is pretty, you know, that's pretty viable too with, with force users, but generally you don't want to be like jumping into your opponent's army on the first activation of return. I agree. Then they're just going to withdraw and, sh and shoot the crap out of you. I, I think because of the faction it is in though, I disagree with you fundamentally. If, if, if this was like operative Luke and he had three, one pips, I would be way less high on it, but this is not, three one pips for maul this is three one pips for your entire army because everybody has ambush because yeah. you're droids right right Up so, orders are out and you're fine yeah yeah so the ideal time to play this is there's there's two things basically right you want to do it on the turn that maul is engaging which means maul himself probably wants to go last but since it's a one pip if you can set up a situation where literally any other unit in your army wants to go first then you can kind of have your cake and eat it too yeah that, that's why I love this card. I just think yeah. it's just like, I mean, it it's nice to be able to have three one pips to go first with Maul, but I think in reality, you really still only have two like one pip cards for Maul, and this one is, uh, you know, this this is your dive card, and you're going last, and you're shooting somebody with a B one, or Grievous is going first or something, right? right? Like, yeah. you know, um. To be able to like get in there with Grievous and then follow up with Maul is like get in get in there with Grievous. Grievous hacks up something. That something withdraws. Maul moves in there, force pushes the unit back into Grievous, and then bases it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, like that—that's like a reasonable thing. That's like that's not that far fetched, right? I know. And and yeah. and it's like it is a situation where you end the turn completely safe. Because they withdrew to get out of melee with Grievous, you know, I don't know. Like, like Grievous is a hundred percent safe in that situation, and Maul will be too. Um, and except for melee units, but yeah, yeah, or except for melee units, yeah, of course. Um, I actually think you know, you know, we talked about kind of the safety factor here of jumping into melee with Maul and and the tricks with it. I think. You know, we've seen a lot of standby sharing lately. What we haven't seen a ton of is just generically taking standbys. Um, I think you're like you're going to see specifically in competitive environments. I think see a lot more generic standby tokens taken with Maul on the table. Yeah. Um, I agree. It just because that's like one of the only ways to really effectively deal with him. Um, well, and chances are, you know, I put together some sample lists for this article I wrote, but if your options right now are Grievous or Dooku to run with Maul. And those, you know, Separatists have some cheap activations, but generally speaking, you're going to be cutting BX droids over B1s when you're trying to cut points. And most of those lists end up with like one sniper. So the standby stripping ability even the conventional standby stripping ability of a list with Maul in it right now is not very high. Yeah, I, I think it, yeah. it's completely possible that the um, lists that will be running, you know, Maul and whatever other thing with lightsabers uh, actually wants to range four guns on the droids specifically for that reason, so yeah. that they can they can breach the standby bubble. Um, it gets really tight with points, though. Even like even two I'm, points I'm sure there it does. is. I'm sure it does. Like to to run Maul Dooku if you want heavies on your B ones you're like cut it you're leaving a training slot open on Maul, you know. I mean, doing yeah. stuff like that. I think I don't I think, think that's unreasonable. No, but, I agree. 
yeah, I think I built a, a list for my article and it was like, it was Dooku Mall. And then I think it was, oh man, I'm trying to think. I think like six, five B1s and then the the probe droids and two snipers, but like only the only like two heavy weapons. It was like two heavy weapons, two uplinks and like two nakeds or, or like a naked or something like that. Like I, I like points get weird in that kind of situation. It, gets, it starts getting thin. Yeah. All right. Should we, speaking of, should we just move on to upgrades? Let's do it to it. All right, David, you want to you wanna do your offensive-defensive stance? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was just wondering, like, you could totally take offensive-defensive stance on this cap because it's, um, you know, he's got that extra action, right? So if you're already engaged, you know, you can hit the aim token. You hit the aim action, get two aims, and just chop in there. And you need it to fix your stuff because you you have a bunch of white dice that are kind of, uh, you know. So they need that help. But, um I was actually reflecting on it while we were having that, that conversation a minute ago. And I was thinking to myself, man, there's all those limitations about spending tokens. And I mean, I mean, I don't know, maybe defensive stance is the better call there because you have observation tokens from your special forces unit and you just D stance to get two dodges for two uses of deflect. And then you have observation tokens to fix your dice if you need it. So, you know, D stance is probably the answer there. Yeah, I mean, it's so he's got two training slots. I think mm-hmm. the first one is tenacity 100% of the time. Oh, yeah. He's going to be wounded. Right. Like, like 100% free. of the time. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's, it's basically an always on for him. Yeah. Well, right. and, and I think just circling back to um, uh, at last, real quick, like, you, you, you can guarantee tenacity is on. It's, it's yeah. not like, you know, it's not like Wookiees or something where, like, you know, they can choose to not activate it to make make you have an extra red die, right? Like, this is something you have complete control over. So, mm-hmm. I, I, it's a no brainer. Yep. Yeah. So but the did, second, did, sorry, did we mention that his uh, at last gives Jedi Hunter? Oh, it does. Yeah. It also yeah, gives so, him an aim token. Yeah. So if you're like flying up on a Jedi, you know, that would be the turn to be in defensive stance. Well, no, sorry. Um, Defense stance, you can spend your aim token, but it's the it's the turn where his aims are the most valuable, right? Because he's got that surge crit versus Jedi. Potentially. Potentially yeah, it's, yeah, it's super Maybe. situational. Yeah, but, yeah. It's kind of edge casey. Anyway, you were saying. Oh, well, yeah, no, it's it's a good point. We did completely forget about the other two things that at last does. Yeah, we did. <laughs> because, the, because the wound <laughs> thing is the single most important one. Right, because it turns tenacity on. Right, well, and Geo. And Julio, duh. Okay. Um, but yeah, it does give you an aim token. It does give you Jedi Hunter. Similar to Duel of Fates, I think, you know, there's the reason that you play that card is the wound thing, and then those other two effects are kind of just bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, anyway, so Tenacity is stapled out to the first slot. But the second slot, I think, is really interesting. And I do think offensive-defensive stance is in contention there simply because, you know, the other candidate that people mention a lot is offensive push, which I think is also potentially very good because Maul has the option to recover a lot. And if you do that and you run them with push and choke, you're recovering three cards, which is obviously a lot. Huge recover value there. Stack those exhaustibles. And you're going to have that extra action to recover anyway. Yep. But you can't get dodge tokens from offensive push. Also true. 
and dodge tokens for any force user and certainly from all are vastly more important than aim tokens so yeah, and you know. he, he's got that he, he has the same body as luke right and i always feel like if luke doesn't have a dodge token on him you're kind of screwed if you're going to take any damage in return yep you're just you're just you're as bad as a stormtrooper <laughs> you know but you're like 200 points or whatever you know so you want dodges on this guy. You need the you need the bigger save. You need the damage return. It's just part of the damage that he's able to do. Yeah, I think I still lean offensive push just because, you know, to actually get value out of these defensive stance, you have to take the dodge action. But once Small's in, he's got the, the extra ability to do that. So I could definitely see it. Yeah, and especially if he's got five wounds to protect, you know, wouldn't hurt to have the extra defenses. Yep, I, for sure. I think it really depends on like what force powers you're taking, and I, I think there is a right choice. Uh, but I do think that there's like, you know, if you take like saber throw on in one of his force slots, I think offensive defensive stance starts to make a lot more sense because you're going to be taking the recover action less, right? Yes. Um, and so if you're devaluing that recover action in the other two slots, I think that makes sense. But but I, I do think that it's like it's almost always force push, force choke, and I don't think it's super close. Um I mean I there yeah, I don't know. Well there's things that force chokes force choke lets you do that no other card lets you do. Right, that's the thing. And and the same with force push, frankly, right? Like yeah. they're just they're two insanely unique effects and because Juyo is so flexible, if you want them, you can have them, right? Like it's it's not like Luke where there's like significant repercussions for recovering in the middle of his turn. Not that there aren't significant repercussions for Maul recovering, but like he clearly has a little bit more give there if he needs it. Um so I don't know. I mean it's it's just I, I think once you're stuck in you're probably recovering every turn unless, unless you can't keep them all safe, in which case you didn't recover. Um, You're definitely recovering a lot, but the the unique thing about throw is the range too. Mm -hmm. And he's also going to have the extra action. So if you are, you know, if you're on your way in going last, you know, that's that saber throw is not a small attack against whatever he's trying to go into you know it's four four red with pierce two even if it doesn't surge is certainly not nothing yeah i mean if if you catch a unit in the open with that which because he has jump is somewhat reasonable um like you know that's a maximum firepower or tauntaun shot basically with pierce two stapled to it um clearly it doesn't surge but you know there's still red dice um you're gonna kill three to four models with that yeah Pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty, you know, consistently. It's gonna um, hurt. And and it's worth noting that he basically has Relentless if that's the build you're going for. You know, I, I don't know. Like, it's, 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 it's fine. It's a style. It's a it, style, it, it, right? it is a style, and I think that, that that's the style that you're probably taking offensive-defensive stance in. You're playing yeah. a little yeah. bit more cagey. You know, you have turns where like he's not in melee and sitting behind a wall so he takes a dodge token or whatever and gets two i think that's fine um i i think it's probably on average less good but i do think it is a way you can play more 
yeah, I don't know. I've never been a big fan of saber throw. So maybe my opinion is not really like great here. I, I, it doesn't fit how I play the game with yeah. the Jedi. Like, I just don't want like the, the, the unique thing about Maul and saber throw as opposed to other Jedi, perhaps, or as force users, I say Jedi just cause it's so natural in my brain. But the, the unique thing is that he can move, you know, force throw and then move again. But in a in a different direction like he can maybe like force throw something to his right and then move over to his left and like engage a unit or something like crazy i mean i'm not saying that's what he's going to want to do but like when you're like when you're doing like a peekaboo with like anakin or vader it feels a little bit different because you don't have that third action flexibility right you're doing the peekaboo and you're probably moving back whereas maul can like do that action and then kind of decide if he wants to move back, if he wants to move forward, um, depending on how many activations are in the list. If he's going last, he can like maybe move force throw and then move forward again. There's just, I think it's could the you, speed. Could you elaborate on what you think the difference is here? Just because I, it's identical basically. It, it, yeah. It, it, well, well, it is, context. it is, but it is, it's, it's a different line of thinking. Like I know it seems like it is like, but but the thing is, is Vader moves slow, right? Anakin is probably not going to have an army of activations behind him, um, like that is going to enable him to like continue moving forward. Whereas Maul, if you get him into the right situation, especially if he's paired with Dooku, and you have you know ways to get, let's say you're playing like a cunning one pip and give Maul an order or something like that. Like there's ways for Maul to do a lot of different things with the with the throw than other force users in my mind. At, at least that's just how I feel on the face of it. I will I will never take say, say uh, force throw in my opinion. That's just not how I play the game. I am I think I think force throw like saber throw saber throw. I always say keep on saying force throw, but like. I don't know why it doesn't have like sharpshooter one or something. I, I like, I don't know something about like throwing half your dice into cover. And like, if you don't surge, it just feels bad half well, the that, time. It, well, it well, feels good. Yeah. That, like it just doesn't feel good. Um, I also don't want to be, I don't want my, my like force user. And maybe this is because I play Obi-Wan and Luke and I never play with relentless. Right. If I'm moving in, in saber throwing, I'm stuck in that position. Like, I don't like that. Um, I'd rather be double moving into a position and saving my three black die. But, or but that's my... the thing. You still get to double move. You're well, right. You get to double move and then choose whether to throw or not. And honestly, you're going to be in situations where that double move doesn't get you there. And you're going to be like, well, instead of, and, and choke won't even get you there. So that throw, that extra range band on throw does have a merit. It, but it all depends on your angle of attack. It's a lot of, um, I mean, we're, I'll just say it. Choke has the two, the two big things Choke has going for it, right? You can choke unit leaders and heavies, which is something that's really good, obviously. It's also like, you just have to be in range of something. You don't have to care about the intervening cover or line of sight blocker. It's, it's easy. It's, you know, yeah, for and sure. it's not board dependent. And so it, it's kind of like, a, how do you say it? It's a, it's got that path of least resistance attraction kind of built into it, you know? Yeah, I, I do think the saber throw conversation, specifically to your point, Zach, about, you know, he's stuck there. There's nothing you can do. 
Um, I think that that conversation is a little bit different because, it, I mean, if you're playing Maul and Dooku together, like you can be a hundred percent sure he's not stuck there. You just play a cunning one pip and get him out, right? Right. Um, That's what I'm saying. Like and, you have like so many different ways that the saber throw cannot like handcuff you in other ways and other lists is how I feel. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, to what you said, David, like force choke is just. It's the beat if you haven't played with Forest Choke yeah. it, it, and like choked out like four heavies in one game, as soon as you do it, you will you will be on the Forest Choke train. I promise. It is uh it is addicting, it is disgusting, it is uh everything I love about Legion. Um, <laughs> just, you know just the the, the the biggest weapon against it is 18 inches right like that's that's what you have to do you have to somehow be 18 inches away from somebody right and i mean not to like go completely full circle here but this is why i think the infiltrate card is like fantastic right yeah. like um because you're gonna be in range for force choke and, and there's probably your opponent I, can't do anything about it i mean like yeah, if you can lose ag- by walking away from their objective. Yeah, if if you can <laughs> aggressively play small safely, like it's just it is such a game changer where you're like if you want to come anywhere close to the things that you need to win the game, you immediately lose two heavy weapons. Like that's that's just what's going to happen. There's nothing you can do about it. Um hope you brought medics. Uh yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, uh, see, speaking see, of is, medics, this is why this is why I kind of want to switch back to Tauntauns. Because Tauntauns are, are less vulnerable on the average to Force Choke. And if you only take a single commander, you can do the nominate thing with Cassian, where all your important stuff then is like f- somewhat resistant slash immune to Force Choke. It's it's better, sort of. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly... Force Choke is less good against Taunts, but let me tell you, when you like... When you clip the last wound on a Tawn unit with Forest Choke, oh, it still it, it feels, it feels even sweeter. Yeah. Let me tell you, you will, <laughs> you will channel you will channel the dark side you crave. Yeah, I mean, we talk about Force Push a lot, and I mean, I still think that Force Push is like arguably like the best card in the game, probably for what it does. But like for, force choke, force choke might might be like the best five points you can spend in Legion. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, like... hang hang on. Let's dispel. So this this applies to both force choke and force push. We got to dispel something about these cards. They're not five points and ten points. Oh, They're oh. one hundred and seventy points or one hundred and sixty five points at minimum, right? Oh gosh. I mean, yeah, but you're paying for so much more. <laughs> well, sort of, sure. Like, like in the case uh-huh. of Vader, like that's what I feel like I'm paying for most of the time. Is yeah. like I'm just paying for something to staple force push or force choke. Yeah. Like, is... I, don't get me yeah. wrong. He kills things with a lightsaber, but he could have like he could have a three white die attack and still be like you know a force choke monster. Mm. You know. No, that's totally. I think that's totally what it is. Because like. When I was playing the other night and I was behind that rock, I was like, man, I kind of wish I could just jump, force push something around the corner and then move back and just, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like I, I think my issue, like that's like my issue going into Legion. Like if I don't have force push in my list, I feel naked. I know Mm -hmm. that sounds crazy, but like, I don't feel like I want that in my list somewhere. Like 
maybe it's a crutch. Call it, call it whatever you want. You want to call it a crutch? Not a crutch. Go for it. It's, but like, it's really good. <laughs> I just, I like having that in, like in my list somewhere, no matter where it is. I don't care what unit it's on. If it's in there, I feel comfortable. When I don't have it, I feel very uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like you're not just getting a lightsaber when you buy Maul or Luke or Vader or whoever. You know, those four, like, because you could just get an IRG unit or a Wookiee unit, right? And they can do basically the same melee damage, sometimes more. You, the, the unique thing you're getting is access to those force powers. And sure, it's easy to be like, oh, yeah, you force choke one heavy, force choke pays for itself. Five points, choke out a 25-point heavy, boom, it's just quintupled its value. It's like, well, you know, you paid 160-plus points for that force user, if that force user does nothing all game except choke one heavy, that was not a good investment. <laughs> right. You ever, you ever have the conversation with significant other about coupons? You know, that's kind of, it's kind of similar, right? It's like, well, I'm saving $10. Like, well, well, you still paid 90 bucks for the thing. Well, I was going to buy that anyway. You know, it's that yeah, same right? kind of thing. Right? Like, was, you know, it's, I got it's, free it's, shipping on my GW order. You know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I saved exactly. so much on shipping. I saved so much money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh man it's similar right but no i totally get it though but i mean like it's also your opponent let you stand at range one like there's well, a little bit of that i mean totally but like there's there comes a point in every game where you can like no longer play around force push and force choke also like, true like i mean it's it's very common over the course of like the first four turns like you can be like all right i can play around your force user but eventually assuming that you've played the force user correctly and something hasn't gone horribly wrong. Um, you, you're supposed to have engineered a situation where they have to deal with the dude with the lightsaber, right? Mm -hmm. If you haven't done that, you should figure out how to, and I'm sure we can have a conversation on a larger scale at some point. And I'm sure we've have, but it's been a while. Yeah. We Um, need to circle back and have that overall strategic conversation. Um, but like, you know the thing about force push and force choke and to some extent jedi mind trick although it affects the table a little bit less significantly like it it does a very different thing um is that like force push and force choke on their own are super good at interacting with objective play when you put them together they get kind of stupid um like you know if if you're playing breakthrough and you like there's a unit that's going to break through. You can like force push them, cohere them all back, then choke the leader so that you like basically effectively force push them twice. Um, there's like some weird stuff you can do with that. You know, Kyle, you were mentioning, you know, you, you force push them and then like pick up the mox box with Maul. Like, like Vader can do that too. You know, like there, there are other units in the mm-hmm. game that have yep. this combination of cards that, that allow you to do that. Um, just this is the first jumping i mean and to be fair um theoretically anakin do can do all of the things that don't include juyo with these two upgrades that any other force user could right um he's also got jump so if you can get around that flaw card good luck <laughs> <laughs> um you, you know uh he 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 can be the character we're talking about um yep. I, I don't think this is exclusively a mall conversation. 
It's just I think Maul is the best at it. Because- well, that's that's what it is. It, the infiltrate card enables Maul to be a step above everyone else that can take those cards, essentially. Do you guys see any other besides choke, push, and saber throw? Are there any other force upgrades that are even close to this conversation? Um, I've, I don't think it's particularly close, but I have seen people talking about force reflexes. Um, I, of all the force users to put it on, I think Maul is probably, other than Kenobi, Maul is, might be the best. Yeah. Cause he doesn't have ways to get dodges for free. He doesn't have ways, he doesn't have ways to get dodges for free. He also kind of like. If your opponent doesn't have a force user, he kind of wants to activate early. You know, um, I still don't think it's very good, but I but I do think you know it's it's maybe in the conversation. I I think you know, say I would take saber throw before I took force reflexes. Um, yeah, I'm so heavy in the push choke camp, so I don't I don't even think it could sway me. But again, that's just me personally. Yeah, I mean, I'm sort of at the point where I wish that um, the card force push was taken out of the game and it was just a part of being a Jedi. Like, like increase every Jedi in the games by 10 points and just let them have the force push ability and open up those force slots. Is I would like to see that, I think. Um I, I know yeah. that you know that's probably a little controversial and a little off topic, but um, I just I don't think you can, at least from a competitive side of the coin thing, force push is not optional. The only well, the only I could see Palpatine not taking yeah, that, it. That's fair. Yeah, but, the only the only one I could see not taking it would be Palpatine, um, and that's simply because if he's at range one, he's 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 blasting you anyways. So um, he doesn't really have a need to force push you. Um, that said, it I built a Palpatine list the other day for the article, and it felt weird not putting push on him. I actually might have put push on him. I'm not going to lie. Just because even though if he is at range one and he's most likely jazz handing you, we keep talking about it, and we talked about it a lot with Anakin. We're talking about, about it with Maul. The tools that you're getting with force push it isn't always about setting up an attack. It isn't always about bringing someone around in a corner to trigger a standby or do something wacky. It's like, there's so many different things you can do with objectives and how you cohere things. There's just so many different things. So it even, even though I say Palpatine doesn't need force push, it feels bad not putting it on him at the same time. Right. I mean, it's mostly about undoing what your opponent is trying to get done with their objectives. And like going last and just screwing with them and saying, okay, well, I'm going to choke this leader off the point. Then I'm going to push this leader off the point. And then I'm going to attack this unit and like try to neutralize three objective scorers or however many, you know, at the same time. I'm thinking specifically key positions. Yeah. They're all going to be clustered up in one spot. I mean, perfectly. So some of the stuff you can do is insane with force users. Mm -hmm. Um, Like Vader can do that twice in one turn yeah. right he's like oh real good <laughs> he's like oh uh sorry you were up by five on the point well now we're tied right at the i'm end, like at the end of it blackable it is like yeah. and you're like oh <laughs> right like well, i'm like just I sure he dies before that happens i'm like fairly certain 
and that if you're going against like a Dooku Maul list on key positions and Dooku and Maul are somehow alive turn six, you're you've lost. Yeah, you will lose. not win that game. Like Dooku was <laughs> Dooku, Dooku is gonna come up and he's gonna do some stuff. Maul's gonna come up and he's gonna do some stuff. And all of a sudden, all the unit leaders that you had on that middle KP, they're dead. Like, and there's nothing yeah. you can do about that. Um and, and again, that's like a, a Christmas, like Christmas land ending for that kind of a list. But, not even though. But but that's the thing. Like, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Dooku plays defensive. Maul can get into a position. You can kind of wait your opponent. That's the thing about droids, right? And that's why yeah. force users specifically with droids are so good. Is that like B1s allow you to kind of delay the game in the way that force users want you to, to delay the game. And then by the time your force user gets in, your opponent has no real way to answer it because the mass of the droids have delayed it to the point where those force users have that opening to get to basically. Like they basically part the sea for those force users to do what they need to do essentially. Um, so like a, K- a KP against a Dooku Mollus does not sound, does not sound really fun to me. <laughs> Well, I mean, and this is, I think, one of the advantages of, and I think there are a myriad of reasons to bid for blue with Maul. Um, you know, yeah, I the agree. infiltration shenanigans being one of the primary reasons, but like, you know, if if you take recover the supplies, like key positions, um, you know, I, I hostage. Mean, hostage and like VAPs, like, that's 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 the deck you want for a mall. Yeah, it's just like yeah. it's yeah. like, yeah. There's there's no way to play those objectives without like dealing with mall, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a slog. Um, you know, they're gonna get the objectives they want, and they're gonna be able to put mall. You know, if if you're playing competitively and you're playing against somebody that like has figured mall out, like they should be able to get mall into the correct position like a good percentage of the time at the beginning of the game right um and it's going to be very hard to deal with um, yeah I, ironically i think that we discussed like bidding we've we always discuss bidding right um i think when vital assets dropped we thought we would see like a bunch of bidding i feel like bidding has kind of like stabilized so like if you're bringing like a list you're like at like a one, two, or three. If you're not taking one, two, or three, then you're at like 10 plus and you're not in that like, in that like three to like nine range, right? It's usually like an extreme bid or like a very small bid to try and get blue against like a high bid list. Um, ironically, I think that shifts with small because people are going to try and bid with mall to get blue. And ironic, and I think that like Mandos want to be blue as well, right? Like a list with Mandalorians are going to want to try and skew their deck to what they're good at, right? Um, you know, clones and Imperials, I feel like clones have more leeway when it comes to bidding. And then I feel like Imperials don't really have any leeway with bidding. I mean, I'm just being straight up. So like, I feel like Empire might not bid as much and they're going to get undercut by Rebels and Imper- you know, Rebels and in the droids quite often. I think the clones are a bit different. I think, I feel like you... Mike, I feel like you've been actually leaning towards taking a bit of a bid with, you know, clones and maybe that, and then you kind of shifted to not taking clones because you, uh, a bid because you had to bring a captain rather than a phase two, mind you, and you have in base. But I feel like bidding is going to change substantially with an infiltrating Sith 
that can be in your face real quick if he's blue. Um, where that bid line falls, I don't know. Um, it, but I think it's super important going forward. It's interesting. I actually think um, <laughs> it's kind of a weird dichotomy, and we're getting a little bit down a bidding rabbit hole here, but I think that Maul is like another instance of a list that wants to bid and is uniquely good when it does and and i think that that actually pushes the meta farther away from bidding i know that sounds a little weird but like for instance with kind of clones being at the top of the heap i actually think it's pretty right to not bid at all as clones right now like they can they can deal with anything pretty much because of how standby sharing works like they definitely are not gonna try and outbid uh a 15 point Mando bid or a 15 point mall bid. Like there's no, like they're not even going to touch that. Um, and there's no reason to, cause they don't need to. And I think that at this point, if you, if you're going to bid, you have to have a really good reason to be bidding. And if you're not, you should just actively consider yourself red player. Um, and, and I think mall is kind of like another one of like mall specifically, is a unit in the game that lends itself towards like this list wants to take like a 20 point bid. Um, So like other lists really like they know they're not going to be able to bid against that. And maybe it's not 20, maybe it's like 15 or 12 or whatever. Even 15 is pretty actually kind of difficult in a a decent, I mean, 10 is more realistic. That may be true, but like, like a bit of 10 is still a lot. It is like, like it's a large bid. And like it's aggressive tactics. It is. <laughs> like, it, you know, you have to put it into um, perspective, right? You know, uh, in order to get a bid of ten in in most armies, you have to like shave an activation or an important upgrade or something in order to get there. And I just I don't think most lists can afford to do that. Um, at least not in a way where they effectively interact with the lists that are good at bidding at, at, at those, the 10 point juncture, right? Mandos are doing something specific. Maul is doing something very specific. You, you've got to have a really good reason to shave 10 points. Um, thoughts? No, I agree. I, I actually think it's okay to not bid too, especially if you're running Maul with staps, which is kind of hard at the moment, but um, we do know that the, we know basically nothing about the T series except the, except that he costs fifty five points, but that's enough to still know that you, like regardless of what he does at that cost, you can run him with Maul and some B one heavies and Saps theoretically. And if you're running a list like that, you know I've been running uh, Rip Team League, but I've been running uh, basically a red player list um, with Saps for Team League. And it's kind of the first time, at least in any tournament for me, that I've kind of been intentionally not bidding. And I did it as like a, an experiment. It worked out really well. Um, like, you know, from my own personal experience. But um, like if you run mall with staps, I think you can comfortably just do red player and be like, I don't care what your objective is. You know, if it's one of those four you listed, great. Mall's good at those. If it's something like breakthrough or bombing run, you know the staffs are good at those, and Maul's also good at bombing run. So you're basically covered. I think you can comfortably run 
once the T-Series comes out. Some kind of Stap, Mall, T-Series, B1 list and be pretty comfortable in the like 797 to 799 range. But keep in mind on bombing run that if you infiltrate with Maul, you cannot put a bomb on him. Just no. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm just saying for the listeners. He's, he's like, really good at stealing yeah. bombs. Well, yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, so like make sure that if you go into the game with the intention that you want to, you want to give him a bomb, uh, he cannot infiltrate, but if you want him to go steal a bomb, go ahead and infiltrate. <laughs> yeah. Give him your opponent's bombs. <laughs> seems good yeah um anyway let's so this we've kind of uh hijacked this upgrade discussion are there any training upgrades that you guys would consider besides offensive push defensive stance or tenacity seize the initiative i think is a possibility i know that i know that droids have like this crazy order control but if you find that maul has and again, I know we discussed about him not really want, wanting to go off on his own. But if he d- does go off on his own and those droids are with him, right? And those droids are now not in a spot where they can be given a coordinated order. Your bag's not going to be just Maul. Um, you know, if you in, in, yeah, it's probably a 50 50 if it's just the droids with Maul, depending on how you, you know, coordinate chain. I get that but a 50 50 is not as good as the sure thing. Um, and C's gives you that opportunity to make sure it is a, a sure thing. If you need it, I think it depends on who you're pairing him with. I did. I think it depends on how you play him. I think it depends on how you set up a list. Like there's a lot of ways you can get around, not needing C's. Like it's not like an auto include on him. Personally, I would take it. Um, because I feel like if I played mall, I would kind of play him independently not in the sense that like aggressively independently, but he he'll probably be in a spot where he's not going to be coordinated to. And I like that sure thing on like a Dooku one pip, right. Um, or like a Dooku two pip or a cunning, a cunning card that also gives Maul an order seems really good. Um, so you have to make sure you have ways to get that. So seizes is something I would consider at least. Um, I'm taking blue player bid in that slot. Um, <laughs> I uh I'm taking I mean I think my default loadout for Maul at least to start out is going to be force push force trip tenacity blank. Yeah, I agree. Um, and yeah. it like offensive push is good, but I don't really feel like he needs it. Uh I you know, I mean and that that may turn out to not be true, but um I I just I actually like, think I think you can go an entire game without Maul attacking and have him still be really useful. I I think you can too. And I also think like, it's worth noting that like, I don't know. Um, he, he's basically just operative Vader with an extra four white dice on his attack. Like, I don't know. It seems like all upside to me on that, that front in that like, you're like, I've got five red dice to start with and another four dice to like, kind of play the RNG slots on, you know? And, um, he gets, I think he gets a name token from both of his one pips or maybe it's just one. I don't know. Just that last, um, just that last, yeah. but he's also got the observation tokens to kind of that kit going on. I just, I don't know. Um, how do you not take the best upgrade in the game in this other slot? It's just a overwatch. You know, you just troll people with move, move, standby all game. There's just no, no reason not to try. I mean, I, 
I I think it's more Which of a conversation joking, by the way. than than like you'd think. Yeah, um, actually, it I, might, I, it might I th- not be bad. Yeah, I I think Overwatch is like actually very good. I mean, not very good. It's it's like it is a good card even outside the clone stuff. Um, well, the key component on throwing Overwatch on any jumping force user is the fact that you can jump again. Um, with that standby um like i'm not saying it's great i'm not saying it's great but i'm saying like if you jump over a building and take a standby that standby you can also jump off of that which is a corner case of jumping twice i i actually think that the 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 biggest case for standby tokens on force users generally is to um embed them safely in melee without like cutting up whatever they're in melee like you know you can of course you can move standby in, into melee with with anything and you know if it tries to withdraw you just chop it up and if something else moves around you like you can just wait in until the right time to chop the unit up or your opponent just passes their turn but like honestly if you honestly if you want to embed maul right sorry to cut you off but if you want to embed maul you could actually just move move standby in melee yeah and, and then and- whenever that thing activates you just you just pop right back in there and just like nope i am stuck to you like glue right they can't they can't do anything about it earth mall likes warm hugs yeah mall likes warm hugs they just can't do anything because you're engaged and their options are withdraw or punch you which accomplishes your goal either way totally right like you're triggering the standby in either situation you either kill them or they die um and yeah i mean and i I think generally speaking, like people don't do that enough on force users. A lot of the time, it's not that big a deal. Like the difference between just sabering dudes down when you hit them and like taking a, like taking a standby token can be like actively bad if for a variety of reasons, but you know, there are situations where it's good. Well, well, third move. Well, a lot of the time, well, a lot of the times what it, what it is, is that, when do you have the opportunity with another force user to move and stand by? Like when, when are you usually like six inches away from your opponent to take that move standby? Maul has that op mall has the opportunity to do it at 12. That's the difference, right? Or actually he really has to do it, has the opportunity to do it almost at 16, right? He can move, move force, push you in and take the standby. Other force users don't have that option. And if they're six, you know, six inches away from, being at a distance of something something else is gone something else is happening like there's more happening in the game than a move standby well, i've done it i'm not saying yeah. that a move standby is bad I, I think it's awesome because if you do it into a unit that hasn't activated you're, you're making sure that they're either punching you or that if they withdraw you have a way to get back in with them right as long as there's no other force user around but it's it's harder to do that when you have two actions as opposed to three is what I'm yeah. boiling it, down it to. is. I, I will say that I, I actually do it um, more on Vader. A lot of the times you do it because you need to force choke something and you need to saber throw some, saber something, but you have to do them it with different timings. At different times, yeah. And, and and that's, you know, it doesn't come up a lot because, like, Vader's not very good, right? And he's, like, <laughs> basically the only person that can, like, really do that right now. Um, yeah. I mean, like, Dooku can too, but the fact that he can't, like, um, relentless and stuff. It, he he's like Dugu is like way less apt to be in the middle of a fight 
than than vader is and so a lot of times like you may need to force choke like a box carrier before it runs away and you also might need to like you know handle another unit so you'll force choke something move into melee take a standby because you need to do whatever um yeah it it's it just like it, it there are a variety of reasons to to kind of end up doing that but i i do think that force choke is is the kind of the game changer in that equation because yeah unlike the light side force users that can only attack once a turn or like kill something once a turn um it's a little less interesting so before we run out of time here i want to make sure we actually talk about the probe droids because we haven't done that yet <laughs> we've spent two hours talking about maul but no probe droids <laughs> Yes. Oh, look, now, now CIS gets a 35-point activation. Yeah, importantly, a unique one gated behind a force user, but nonetheless, yeah. a 35-point activation. It's not as quite as good as R2, because R2 is an operative, but yeah. Also, they do not have secret mission, uh, yeah, which would clearly true. be overpowered. They do have incognito, though. Yeah, they do. I mean, I, I actually don't think there's that big a difference between this unit and R2, but... The lack of secret mission is... They, they they do a lot of other things better than R two does for sure, but they definitely fight better than R two. It's, it's apples it's apples to oranges. Yeah, they're they're considerably more fragile than R two is. That, that is, is fair, but like I think the their incognito is a lot better than inconspicuous when oh. it comes to not getting shot. Sure, totally, but they're also only three health. R two is four to six with a self two self repairs. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. these guys are, when they actually get shot, these guys evaporate basically. Um, now incognito helps a lot here. Uh, they also have, so they have one health per model. There's three models. They have a white save. Um, they do have observe three, which is, uh, choose an enemy unit at range one to three and in line of sight against three observation tokens, which was explained in Maul's preview article basically is you can reroll one dice per observation token when attacking that unit. So it's kind of like a little mini aim token on a target. Goes a long way to helping those white dice in Maul's pool be a little better. Um, of course, you can also just shoot that unit with a B1 or something. But yeah, for 35 points, that's super useful. They have detachment Maul, so you can only take them with Maul. They deploy near him. Um, hover air one, which is as far as I can tell, like jump, except you can do it twice, basically. More or less. Seems just, that's what it was, that's what it's supposed to do. Yeah, while moving, ignore terrain, height one or lower is the reminder text here. Um, they have a comm slot, which is super interesting. I think I'm putting comms relay here just so that you can use them as like a tether to get orders from all. You know, you can bounce orders from your B1 chain to them. And then bouncing to Maul, you can also like if Maul is not within range three of your commander, you can order the probe droids and then bounce it a further range two up to Maul. I sort of love these guys as a one shot comms jammer, to be honest. You know, that's, like that's the other upgrade I could see in there. Like that would be a real pain in the butt in circum circumstance certain yeah. circumstances. Yeah, I mean like Comms you jammer. you dive in there with Maul, you bring his probe droids with him, and all of a sudden you've got like this bubble of stuff that is engaged with Maul that can't get orders and that unless of course they're issuing to themselves because Comshamer doesn't prevent that. But right. like yeah, I don't know. It uh 
that seems real good. I mean, it's a little fragile. It's clearly one use. Like, you're going to basically break your incognito to do it. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, as far as, like, crazy plays go, I think that's probably the the highest utility you can probably get out of these guys outside of interacting with objectives because clearly that's what they're very good at. Mm-hmm. Um, Engaging something with them as a last-ditch effort to tie an objective or prevent a score also really important for them. Yeah. yeah that's why be I good. feel like these are like mini R- R2s because they basically are an objective point if you're able to keep them alive until turn six. Accurate. Yeah, they're like a turn six objective play. Like... After they've after they've done what they could for Maul, right? Yeah, it's just it's notable that you can't like voluntarily drop incognito. I mean, you can do it when you interact with something like a box or evaporator, but if you want to like, if if the end of the game comes around and they still have it, and you want to score them on breakthrough, unless your opponent breaks incognito for you, they still don't count. You well, can't, can't be like, ah, oh, I'm dropping incognito to score this breakthrough. Well, right, but you. You can, and clarify. I mean, you for can the, attack with them. Well, you can also just move to like range one, can't you? Mm-mm. No. It, they don't lose it until they defend against an attack, or make attack. an attack, or interact with an objective. And they yeah. can be attacked if they're at range one, I guess. Is Correct. That, is that's the caveat? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's the conventional way. Like if your if your opponent wants to drop incognito, that's the way they do it, right? They move to range one and then they attack them. Um. But yeah, just being at range one of something does not drop it kind of neato, unless that something attacks you, or vice versa. So clearly you could just attack something with them, right? Their attack yeah. is pretty good. It's two white per model with suppressive range one to two. And so six, six white. Yeah, six white with surge. Suppressive range one to two. Like a fleet trooper. It's not terrible. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's lacking Pierce, but yeah, it, yeah, but yeah. You know, no, it's like it's a base fleet trooper, right? Yeah, it's yeah. It's, not, it's not terrible. You, you yeah. could do worse. You really oh, could. Certainly, you could. And yeah. um, but yeah, clearly, it's not like for the bulk of the game, you don't want to be doing that with these guys because they're oh, just no. as soon as they lose incognito, they're gonna get plastered. Yeah. Um, just waiting for them to take down the inner rebel troopers. <laughs> yeah, like, boost, oh, you're dead. There's going to be some hilarious stories of Sith probe droids taking down some random unit in an important part of the game with their little Electra stun micro blasters. Yeah. Yeah. What a troll unit. I love it. (laughs) There are going to be a lot of games where these are really frustrating. I think, yeah, yeah, in a similar way that R2 is, you know, Mm -hmm. you're, you're like, oh, I... I, I could never legitimately shoot them and they killed Luke on turn six because I couldn't get at them and then they dropped to range one and nuked him. You know? Or they caused the unit to panic or something in an important moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah we'll I see. Like I've sh- I feel like I've shaken my head more times in this cast than any other cast. Get ready. So, so, are you, so it, they do take up a special forces slot. I don't think it's that's fine. a huge deal. It's fine. It's a lot less relevant for separatists than it is yeah. for factions. Just bring two BX droids, who cares? Well, yeah. or, or a zero BX droids. You know? Yeah. But like the the CIS list that were running BX droids were only running two to begin with. Yeah. You know. I think that's less of a big deal. It's yeah. just it's important to note. I mean, let's put it this way. Let's say you were running two BX droids and that's your list. I mean, do you cut like a naked B1 for these probe droids? 
I mean, probably, I mean, I I don't see, I don't see the downside to doing that. Right. Sure. You lose body mass, but like you can't shoot them anyways. So you kind of gain, right? Well, it's worth noting that if you're playing BX droids with these guys, it kind of screws with your order pool because you, you need, you've got more things in the chain that want to be the last, the link in the chain, right? Because none of the special forces have coordinate. Right. Well, and that's that's why I like the relay. To make sure that you get that face up to Maul, and then you just have special forces tokens in your pool. Yeah, I mean, if you're playing them with BXs, for sure. Um, yeah. I, uh, but, like, if you're playing with them with Staps, like, you know, that's a little bit less relevant, probably. Yeah. Well, and Staps do have coordinates, so... Well, that, that, that's what I mean, right? You can you can kind of keep that chain going. Um, the Oprah mean... You get an order. You get an order. You get yep. range two away from you. Get an order still. And... Yep. I actually think there's a reason to take an an um, an out of mana droid, uh, in in a mall list if you if you do the comms relay thing on the uh, on the probes because you can you know you can bounce the end of your chain range to to the probes. <clears throat> anyway, we've talked a lot about mall and probes and lots of things today. Bidding. Terrain this scouting. Tired dad cast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. I'm sorry. I'm losing my voice a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, day- all right. Daylight savings time oh does gosh. not exist for kids. Okay. Yeah. Just, uh, just to throw that out there, it does not exist for children. Yeah. They, oh yeah. They, Their um, internal clock is the same no matter what you do with that. Oh, yeah. It is, and I made the the uh, grossly incompetent dad mistake of not changing my daughter's clock. So she has a clock in her room and the deal is like, it's, it's, it's one of those like color changing clocks. You can set an alarm on it. It doesn't like buzz or anything, but it changes color at a specific time. So the deal is she can't get out of her room in the morning until it turns a certain color unless she has to pee or something. But you know, the, otherwise she'd like walk into her bedroom at five thirty in the morning, you know, but uh, yeah, I did not change that clock. So um she came in, you know, an hour early. <laughs> I had no recourse to be like, uh, sweetie, it's, it's daylight savings. It's not time to get up yet, but my clock is green. And I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but I forgot to change what time it is on your clock. You don't understand. Uh-huh. This is really my fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it evens out, but it takes like a week. Oh yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yesterday morning. Fallback is usually like, yes, I get to sleep an extra hour. Yeah. No. No. Definitely not. <laughs> I prefer springing ahead than I do falling back. Yeah, yeah. Really? Once you, once... Oh no, God no. Cause then the kids sleep an extra the hour. The kids sleep an extra hour. It's the complete inverse on the children. Yep. It, it's it's wacky, but it's how it works. Yep. telling you that's how it goes all right any final thoughts mike uh, your hair is really long i know it's getting there right it's like you Man. know it's you, uh, you need to you need like a like a top knot or something i i uh i do i have a hair tie and stuff so ready okay. ready to go uh it's just i'm at home alone at the moment so there's not really any point to you know putting it up into something so uh but yeah no i uh i'm not going to 
I I think it's gonna it's gonna be long for a while here. Uh, <laughs> you gotta start practicing your hair flip, right? <laughs> no, I, uh, that's how he's gonna beat Molly. He gets mad at he's, uh, Yes, I I actively um, try not to do that because my hair was also really long in high school, and like I got into like some really bad habits with the hair flip thing, and it's just like because it's, it's really easy to do because you're just trying to like get it out of your face, you know. And um, wait, hang on, what's What's like a bad habit with a hair flip? I'm trying to figure out how that could. It's just like it's it's not. I don't know. I feel like flipping your hair is a bad habit if you do it a ton. Personally, okay. I don't know. Maybe it's not, but um, I I am self conscious about it. Let me okay. Put it that way. Uh, <laughs> it's just so it used to be like we were on the like cross country and track team, right? And you know we had really long hair, and when we were running, it always ended up in your face. And we didn't we didn't have hair ties or anything because you know we were boys in high school and we didn't believe in that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I would just be like constantly like flipping it out of my face when I'm running because you're jogging and your hair is all over the place and yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. So, so well, someday you're gonna be like seventy and you're gonna be like, man, I wish I had hair that I could flip right now. Oh, totally. I <laughs> so I'm lucky. My family seems to have hair very long into their lifespan so i think okay. i'm i think i'm okay there but yes that is probably true all right well on that note uh, <laughs> we are the notorious scoundrels i'm kyle i'm mike i'm david i'm a short-haired barry <laughs> <laughs> one day i will rejoin you <laughs> and we'll see you next week <laughs>